Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. Hey, what's happening, weirdos? I, I'm finally back from Australia, which means we're not using the same intro that we recorded uh, t- over two weeks ago. But boy, what a wonderful trip. Wonderful to see some uh, down-under weirdos, and thank you to everybody that came out to the shows. It was really trippy to meet uh, you know, international fans. And it's also wonderful to be back here in the States. Uh, if you'd like to come to a live show here in the States, here are the upcoming dates here. Uh, I'm going to be in Miami on uh, April 20th at the Fillmore for two shows for any uh, Miami Beach weirdos. Austin, Texas, I'm going to be in Moon Tower April 24th through the 27th. I also think I'm opening for Jim Gaffigan, so if you'd like to see Jim and also a little bit of me, that's a, that's a good ticket to get. Cleveland, Ohio, I will be at the Grog Shop May 16th. That's going to be a lot of fun. And Bloomington, Indiana, I'm going to the Limestone Comedy Festival June 7th and 8th. Um, a good way to email the show is weird at nerdist.com. I've also been checking the uh, Facebook uh, more and more these days. Facebook.com slash you made it weird. Um, just because I can check that from my phone and the weird nerdist mail, I cannot. So, anyway, little fun, fun little tip there. Whoops, uh, two tour dates that I forgot here. One is a live you made it weird uh, on April 15th in Los Angeles at the Troubadour. That's going to be a lot of fun, April 15th. Live, you made it weird. And also, I forgot to say, May 9 through 11, I'll be in Calgary at Yuck Yucks. Yuck Yuck, which is going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so we're going to splice that into the tour dates. It'll be seamless. Uh, and the sponsor, we have a new sponsor. It's a new thing called Bonobos. New thing, meaning new to me. But it's a wonderful new uh, site uh, where it's a men's apparel brand. Uh, they have an online and offline presence. And it's focused on getting like really well-fitting clothes that also are very, very comfortable. So they're stylish and uh, still comfortable. Which is, you know, a problem. You get like super itchy, like horrible slacks. Yeah, have you? Not at Bonobos. I'm going to try and say Bonobos as much as I can in this plug because it's a fun thing to say. Bonobos. They have everything from washed chinos to denim to casual shirts, shirts, and shirts, and shirts which have retson and blazers. Uh, and basically, I already told you the mission. Oh, now I'm clearly reading something. But the mission statement is to make better fitting men's clothes that are both stylish and comfortable. That's it. So 20% discount for being a fan of the show. You just have to type in Pete on your way out is the promo code Pete. And they also have free returns. So get something. Get 20% off. Get a pair of pants that are comfortable and not too baggy and not too tight. Right? You don't want it too tight or too baggy. Epinobos. And if you don't like it, return it for free. Or set up a personal shopper at, their, at one of their stores, which they call the guide shop at uh, bonobos.com. That's it. I did it. I did the new sponsor. Bonobos.com. B-O-N-O-B-O-S. Like your Bono from U2 and you're from Boston. Bono. Boss. Bonobos.com. And enter the code Pete to get 20% off. Now, today's guest is Robert Buscemi, one of my favorite people of all time, one of my oldest friends. We've known each other for about a decade, over a decade actually, and uh, just one of my favorite comedians, favorite people, uh, and just such an oddball that I really wanted to open this episode because we spend so much time talking about what it's like to be a left of center stand-up. I wanted to play some of his uh, some of his comedy so you would get a sense of what we're talking about. So we're going to open with one of uh, tracks from one of uh, Robert's CDs, which are available uh, on his website, and follow him on Twitter and uh, all that good stuff. Enjoy, everybody. Robert Buscemi, get into it. 
I do care about my body a lot, though. So I treat it like I would a lover I'm interested in. I ignore it and hope it'll do something to impress me. <laughs> and I can't, I, I can't take holistic food seriously. I was at, at a restaurant the other day. I paid all this money for a piece of holistic chicken. Apparently it was so holistic. It was not only free-range, this chicken. This chicken had been self-governing. Unionized, given access to spas and gymnasia. So um, I'm more comfortable to diner, frankly. I have a standard line. If a breakfast waitress comes over and asks me what food I want, I always say, I'd like to propose some toast. (laughs) They laugh, which is good because I don't leave money after a meal. In lieu of a gratuity, I always leave my Why Tipping Hurts Us All manifesto. (laughs) At Christmas, I add a single walnut. What's the matter? You people too young to remember walnuts? (laughs) But whenever I'm feeling fat, I'll go stand next to a mountain. (laughs) Now that is fat! Thinking about starting a men's plus-size pants store. Call it Britches Be Trippin'. <laughs> I, uh, I can't take Whole Foods seriously either. I feel like most of what they're charging for is self-congratulation. <laughs> Oh, and here's an impression. I hear you guys like impressions. I'll do an impression for you. This, this is me at a grocery store sample table. Okay? All right, here we go. Oh, what is that? Hickory smoke something? And then it goes on from there. <laughs> I don't have that much time tonight, and um, it's actually a performance art piece. It goes on from there, and it's interesting. It actually follows that character throughout his entire life. (laughs) He gets married to the woman behind the sample table. They have a series of kids, very disappointing children. Um, (laughs) He has has a... uh, few medical scares and but ultimately lives a very long and fulfilling life comes to be an old man and then uh dies in a uh in a honda behind that same grocery store (laughs) you can watch it on youtube it splits off from the current moment it's on a YouTube, it's called, you can search it, it's called uh, Today's Video, Robert Buscemi, Old Man Splitting Off, GroceriesampleTable.org.be. Um. Hey, Peter. Oh, my God. How's your leg? Uh, it's all right, I'm on the mend. <laughs> Sit here, you crippled man. 
Old crippled man. What's wrong with your body? Let's see, yeah. I forgot. You, you were hit, by, hit by a car. Did you not Yeah, you that? told me you were hit by a car. I told you just I told you, but I haven't seen you. No, I saw you. I saw your tiger lily. Didn't I say something mean? Probably. What did you say? I'm trying to remember. I had it coming or they had it coming or something. What would you say? What would I say? Oh, you weren't mean. You were very sympathetic. I was nice? Yeah, you uh like to think of yourself as far more uh, hurtful than you actually are. Well, we text each other a lot of mean things. <laughs> we're very mean to do each we? other. Are we? You don't remember? Yeah, 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 we do. We do. I want to look up some texts from you. Oh, goodness sakes alive. Is this going to be damning? No. This is fun. Is it fun? This will give people a nice little flavor. A flav? Give them a flav? I've known you so long. <laughs> I've said, I've said, <laughs> you silly man. I've known you so long. Why? Well, how do you spell the abbreviation of Flav? F-L-A-V. Yeah, but why don't you add an E? You don't say Sav for, for save. You don't spell it S-A-V. Or, and there is a word save. Every time I see it, F-L-A-V, I think Flav. F-L-A-V? Yeah, that's my favorite, Flav. No, you, you think Flav. <laughs> well, There's maybe. other words. Preach is hard. P-R-E-E-C-H. You just have to abandon. For appreciate? Yeah, I appreciate it. Here's some text from you. I heard you and Dan Kaufman are dating. You you texted that to me for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) And then I wrote, he can blow me standing up. Oh. I don't know why. I don't know. He's not that short. But you didn't specify who's standing up. Well, compared to you, he's he's slightly shorter than average. I guess so. And you're considerably taller than I should have Danny Kay on this show. Yeah, yeah, you should. I think it's a natural. Could you go? <laughs> Could I exit now? Can we get Dan Kaufman on the show? let Dank Hoffman on here? Did you improvise the two bears mauling you on the same day line? That was nice. Oh, that was you being nice. It was me being nice because I saw the, a spot and I thought, Pete made that up on the spot. I did. Well, there's always a union question about whether you should get writing credit. I do get writing credit. Oh, you do get writing credit yeah. for this. Oh, that's good. You're referring to the E-Trade Spot lottery. Yeah, where, okay. uh, I didn't know the exact title <laughs> of, of that particular commercial <laughs> that, you know, spot. But yes, no, I why would you? But it's beautiful. How do you say it? Do it in that voice. I say, um... That's as likely as... I say, you know, you have the same chance of winning as being... As being mauled by a regular, a polar bear and a regular bear in the same day. Yeah. In reference I to love that playing line. the lottery. And I then I said, I that. did indeed. And then we say things we can't repeat. That is exactly something that only you would come up with. Yes. And it's in exactly the line where you're and my comedy come the closest. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not to that, rubbing noses. I'd actually really like to, I, 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 I joke with you. And one of the things I text you, as I said, you should call your next uh, I said you should call your next uh, stand-up CD Ungettable. Yeah. Did you say that? Oh, that's cute. I bet you real had a real. I bet when you hit send on that, you real it just made you think, really? oh, I'm really something. Well, every once in a while, I'll, I'll text you something, and I'm like, I've crossed, I've crossed the line. That one's too mean. You never have though. No, I don't think I have either. Well, we've known each other a very long time. That's what I was going to yes, say. Was that you've been? You're in my phone as Rob Sell. Back oh, when I goodness. like had Back your, when we used to distinguish between uh, what? Rob Home, ship Rob flags, Sell. yeah, what ship flags? <laughs> Various means of communicating the colorful flags. That oh you yeah, fly <laughs> off the back of ships. Ship flags. <laughs> and my other great burn of you. Sorry to open this way. That's all right. Was, go nuts. You, you go nuts, Hambone. <laughs> that should be the title of your next album. Go nuts, Hambone. <laughs>
I like it. Your you put out two albums. Uh, oh yeah, you got you got. This is a whole subgenre of your jokes about me is putting out albums. Let's put out an album called this or, or doing that or whatever. Yeah, because you're you're a real self starter. You put out these albums. I was gonna say that no one wants. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna be mean. And if I wasn't gonna say it, if you had started speaking, I would have let it go. Oh, so it's on me. That You're one, that me. one was on, on you. On me for not preempting you. you from making it. It's on you, man. You got to. You said gotta, one. What was it? I uh, said your third album is going to be a long yeah. voicemail. You leave yourself yeah, in the yeah. car. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was funny. Now here's the rub. Your albums are great. Your stand-up is great. Well, you know, people want to people want to call me the voice of a generation or a, or uh, I'm not so comfortable with that. But if people need to pigeonhole me, then that's what they'll do. Here's here's the thing. Here's what's weird. If we're really going to be weird about your comedy, you in Chicago mm-hmm. were uh, the were the shit. Yes, I was just talking. Brian Stein. By the way, when I say that, I don't mean that I don't like or respect you now mm-hmm. i'm just talking about a time that doesn't exist anymore meaning the lion's den right and we were all there right and there is no doubt that if you want to talk about flag flying mm-hmm. the buscemi freak flag was was the was the coup de gras was the fillet of the neighborhood yeah people would uh come in because the lion's den is this legendary open mic uh, to us uh where oh, it is to more than just us i think i think maybe that might become true so there's the back room I'm not telling this to you. I'm telling this to the listeners. There's a back room where we perform, and just like any good showroom, uh-huh. the bar is separate. So you yes. can like leave the show and be loud it's if necessary. you're too drunk or whatever. Go to the front room, and uh, you were you're you're one of those guys that when you went on, mm-hmm. everyone went in. Well, uh, it was I was uh, it was it was a great time. I remember some of the just uh, it was certain sets there. It was like flying. There's nothing like it. It was before, yeah video on the internet yeah and you didn't, before, we didn't we didn't tape them well, nobody taped anything nobody, i have audio was, tapes like cassettes so tapes. do i <laughs> so do i and listen to this one of my earliest audio cassettes tapes that i made there yeah i was having a i was having a flat ass set you know i mean i was new yeah and some guy went over to my tape recorder and went don't quit your day job no. like during a non-laugh oh. thing oh. Well, what are you gonna do? Feelings. Yeah, but that's well, why gonna... we do this. Is there's a there's a masochistic thread in it all? Well, Burbiglia put it perfectly. Did you see Sleepwalk with it's me? Pronounced Blurbliglia. Blurbliglia. Blurbliglia put it perfectly. What do you mean? That's Blur-Gablia. a joke. I, that's a joke. Blur-Gablia. I would stop. I really I would like Blurbliglia and go. It's pronounced Blurbliglia. You, you, you and I are not that different. <laughs> We're not. I like to call him Mark Finiglia. I find that very funny. <laughs> that is funny. I just did a show with him in New York, and he got off stage, and I went up next, and I was like, one more time for Mark Finiglia. Yeah. And it did really well. And I just kept insisting that I didn't know anything about him. I'm like, and a round of applause for his movie, Sleepy Time, Time. <laughs> like, just shitting on just such a great guy um, in a playful way. Now, we actually met at the Lion's Den. You and I did, yes. And uh, it was our very first night at the Lions Den. It was. Both of ours. It was bizarre. I sometimes think about this, uh, how I, I met Kumail on my second night at uh-huh. the Cubby Bear, uh-huh. but I met you on my first night. That's right. And th- those, those, uh, those 
those foxhole friends. You know what yes. I mean? You want to talk about, oh, Berbig- the way he put it perfectly was when you start comedy, you have to be a little bit delusional because oh, you go true. up every night and do badly uh-huh. and get off stage and think to yourself, I think I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. And that's completely true. It's unfortunate when the delusion never uh, comes to fruition and never solidifies. Into I never sort of- thought I was particularly good initially. I, I thought I was... I was marching. I knew that I was marching to the beat of my own drummer. Yeah. But I didn't realize that he he was, uh, you know, going underwater and then drilling into the center of the earth. And, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I've yeah, just yeah. been. Uh, but I did follow my own drummer. Yeah. You but, certainly uh, still. But did. I didn't think I was good particularly. Yeah. It took me a while to to neither, realize neither that people I. were responding <laughs> to me. But you and I pursued. I'm kidding. I thought but you were you, great. You and I pursued absolutely diametrically opposite uh, subject matter, kind of. Uh, well, different approaches. Approaches. You know what's weird, Bobby B is. Uh, you were one of those guys that, like, I do you remember this? I wanted to fix you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember. You, I, I, and I, you know, I don't apologize for that, but I'm a little embarrassed that I tried to do that because it's, some people don't need fixing. Uh-huh. You are, what is that blurb I wrote for your album? For my, for do you remember? One pretty- Peacock, One you wrote, peacock. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so funny. Oh, thank you. You I, said, you said. Because this is how I feel about you. Listening to Robert Buscemi's comedy is like getting a wet, naked hug from someone who just got out of the lake. It's not for everyone, but if you don't like a fresh, soaking hug, then oh, that's not, where, we're not friends anyways. Yeah, that's where I put the compliments. Like yeah. a different, yeah. influential unforgettable sort of weird lake rug. Right, 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 right. That's where I snuck the nice No, no, it was very nice. But you are. You know this. And and I... Here's the rub. Remember Mm -hmm. this time we're starting in Chicago and the path for everybody, it seemed, was to do well at the open mic. Yeah, that's right. And then once you're doing well at the open mic, you start trying to, like, take it on the road. Yeah. Now the problem is uh, when you go on the road, they will put you either in guest spots mm-hmm. or they let you MC. Mm-hmm. And you are you are, and I don't mean this as an insult, mm-hmm. and you know that you're a pinch hitter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Fifteenth is the perfect slot for mm-hmm. you. When we've seen everyone's yeah. white yeah, bread, right. boring, redundant stupid drunk Chicagoan guy being like, and then I look at the clock and it's upside down. I'm like, it's 17 o'clock and I'm late for my job. And we're like, next. And then you come up in a suit and a fucking bowler hat. Uh-huh. And you're like, my wife Haroldine and I just got back from Disney World. Well, not Disney World as much as I found a Mickey Mouse set of ears and I put them on her while she was passed out in her jacuzzi. Well, jacuzzi. It was really a hole that I dug that I filled with Sprite. Well, Sprite. It was Verner's. Well, Verner's. It was Diet Verner's. You know, you'll just go. Yeah. And we're just like. Watch and it's the perfect. Your sorbet, your uh-huh. ginger, you know uh-huh. what I mean, like in sushi. In between bites, we're eating this ginger, and then the the challenge. I know I'm talking a lot, but the challenge then became: if we're going to follow this this pattern, uh-huh. how do we get Bobby B, local legend, yes, to go this traditional path? He's the untraditional comedian. Uh-huh. How do we put him on the traditional path? And I remember, like, we wanted you to, and we, you did, audition for festivals uh-huh. and late night shows uh-huh. and then do clubs. And it was, it's really, really, really hard for a guy whose opener would be something, this is, really is a joke of yours. If you're anything like me, you uh, sneeze into a Ziploc bag about half an hour ago and put it in the freezer. That is not my joke. That is a joke that you improvised for me. I swear it is. Really? 
I swear it is. I think you did it. I, I did I? I think maybe. I think you gave it to me, and then I did it. I think what but happened. It, but it, you know what? It's kind of an immaterial question. The point is that is exactly the kind of opener I you did and would and still will do. Yes. But you also had an aversion to repeating. You didn't want to do oh, no. like a traditional set. No, that's right. Not in the way that some people want to improvise and riff. You wanted to do more non sequitur musings. Yeah. You wanted to unload more of your yeah. insanity journal yeah. in a hilarious way. And they're way. very tightly written, really. They are very my, tightly my written. Material I was watching you written. on Rooftop Comedy doing your thing about how your sperm doesn't have enough liquid in it. That's true, it doesn't. I am not morning radioing you. <laughs> I do not want you to do the bit. We're going to talk about the bit. I didn't I wanna... know that was a verb to morning radio. I did uh, Jay Moore's podcast. I was very happy to do it, but he kept trying to morning radio because uh... he was like, I understand you don't like Google on our phones. And I was like, I'm not doing the bit, Jay. I'm not going to morning radio this. Yeah, but not that funny. there's anything wrong with that. No. I'm just one of those guys that it's would a rather genre. Talk. I'd rather just talk. Yeah. I'd rather discuss morning radio being a verb than do a bit of mine. So I don't want you to do the bit. No. I, I encourage people to, to, to get it. Which album is that on? Which of your albums? With the sneezing into the Ziploc? <laughs> no, no, no. The cum with no liquid in it. Oh, that one is probably on Palpable. Palpable. My first rooftop album. A great album. That I also have. So you got the no liquid coming, and it's and it's <laughs> meticulous. It's written like a like a like a not not syllable wise, but it's almost written out like a haiku. There are lines, and yeah. they're very deliberate. Um, <clears throat> and it's you you have a lot of material about this. Excuse me, about this where it's kind of like you're not for everybody. People, the humor needs to be part of it. That this is what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying this. Yeah. And if you don't, like, kind of get on board right away, it's hard for you to necessarily win them over with some sort of sledgehammer. Well, you know, I people have a road set, okay? I didn't and don't, and I just I, – I'm – when's the last time you saw me? You saw me, what, like a year ago maybe? Where was that? I feel like I saw you, know, you in D.C. Dave Rath was there. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I saw you. He's very nice. He's very way. funny. Very nice. I saw. I don't know. Some little show. It was DC Pearson and Liza Schlesinger's. Or uh, oh, uh, Liza yeah, Skinner. Yeah, Liza Skinner's show. Magic bag. Exactly. Uh huh. That's where you saw me. I did. And I'm much better now at um, at uh, it used to be I was just playing chicken every single joke, every single time, every single crowd. Now my fellow comedians copped on really early and were wonderful. What do you mean? I know. I kind of know what you mean by chicken, but explain that. I would do a a really absurd line and just stare because I didn't know what else to do. And then Mm -hmm. I'd kind of go on to the next thing. Now I've learned. You're kind of daring the audience. Yes, daring the audience. Yeah. That's why I I, honestly, I say I make a joke about it, but I also also think it's true that it's halfway between sadism and masochism Mm -hmm. because you're wanting to hurt them for being too stupid to understand you, but you're wanting for them to hurt you for being such an asshole that you're taunting them for not being smart. Yeah. And I used to play that game and I've since learned to uh, massage the dough uh, between the things and let them know that I think I'm a, a uh, you know, I realize I'm a goofball, but I can't do too much of that. I have to commit to the insanity of the bit to some degree. Yeah. And certain, oh, Nate Craig, uh, excellent, excellent comedian, he's been on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll get mad at me if I 
give him too much candy corn. He calls it giving it candy corn. You're giving him candy corn. Do the bit. Commit to it. If I'm too nice or I pull out of it or I act too charming yeah. and don't like throw the fastball down the middle, he'll he'll get mad at me for not like committing to the strangeness of the bit. Yeah. Well, so you really, a, it's a thin line. You're a, you're absurd. You're a real absurd yeah. guy. You're, it's it's you funny. Are not... I came out, especially when I came out here, I thought, hey, I'll just be one of the stranger guys. I'll be in that wing of people who are odd. Odd guys in the audience will look at me and come up to me afterwards and go, you're odd. Yeah. So I don't think there's a you're... hell of a lot of people operating to the left of me or to the right of me for, for sheer. No. That's what made you startlingness. local legend Robert Buscemi at the well, time. Thank but you. The, again, the problem was, and this isn't what I want to like figure out here. Uh-huh. I just want to tell the story of trying to figure it out uh-huh. when it was like we got this guy. And I remember saying something to you where I was like, you work best with crowds. If, people, if everyone knows you, uh-huh. it's then a hoot. If they, they, everybody needs to see you three times. Uh-huh. And on the fourth time... They'll real. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's magic nights. Well, it is an where they'll get you the first time, but for the average person, the fourth time they well, see it you. is an interesting thing, and it has been a philosophical conundrum since I began this this thing. Which is a, you're right. I'm kind of the definition of a cult phenomenon in a certain way. I've learned to broaden that. Mm-hmm. The comedy world and audiences have gotten savvier and smarter. Mm-hmm. And um, I've learned to appeal to a broader base earlier. But at the same time, part of me that's the bastard, part of me that's the sadist, part of me that's willing to to wait people out likes the fact that on that fifth viewing, I'm going to have you for life if you're right. like into my scene. But if you take your average comedian who does well on the road, they'll like you okay on your first time and they'll like you okay on your hundredth yes. time. Yes. And they're not, they're not going to change. I'm... Like feeding people sushi or something. Yeah. But who've never had sushi. Yeah. Sushi, but that's from bears, like a like a raw bear, bear sushi. meat. Bear yeah, yeah, sushi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bear shimi. The podcast is just over. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we, just we were even... both holding our breath like, who's going to kill that moment? Like, let's, let's No, let I really, I, I was trying to think of more bear sushi jokes, but it, it's more important to me to think that... Uh, you're absolutely right. This, this, you're, you're an oddball that even the oddballs don't know what to do Yeah, with. yeah. And it's but interesting because – you know what? Like, I will say this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. I, well, don't, I don't want to homogenize you for the road. I, maybe at the time – Homogenize. Ooh, good word, right? That's awesome. I don't want to do that. I, uh, what does that at, mean exactly? It's to my make under- the same. It's my understanding. Yes, that's exactly. We do what it. it we pasteurize and homogenize milk. We take all the interesting stuff out. The yeah. Stuff that might kill yeah. you. You're French no, cheese. Right. I'm You're like, unhomogenized. You're right. Un-vaginal. I'm like milk with like some grass in it, and worms. And yeah. Whatever was There's around the cow. Yeah. There's a turnip, just a turnip, a turnip floating in there. Whatever and that it, it, and, and even looks like. It goes like. back to lake hug. It's off-putting, but maybe it's a, the best hug you've. But ever you had. know what? I will say this: in the last four years, three years, two years, with this new album. I have started my entire act is just me siphoning stuff off my Twitter feed. You mean you're now reading your tweets? Well, no. I sometimes I will take my tweets either as verbatim a joke or the beginning of a joke. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
What, what does that mean? Do you think this is making you more appealing or less It makes appealing? me quicker to get to the punchline and yeah. people laugh quicker. Well, okay. Fortunately, yeah. I, I have about four topics that my stuff falls into, whether I'm thinking about it or not. And so I can go through and go, oh, this one's about being like Captain Horny Man. Oh, this one's about animals. Yeah. Or, oh, this one's about, you know, whatever, Your nature or religion i got a bunch of jokes about religion and yeah. so i can line them up and scoot through them and it sounds like a story but they're just it's much punchier because i used to be willing yeah to go a full and it was like a challenge i would i was proud of it i would go a full two minutes to get to a single ending point right, and right. it would be packed with what i thought was brilliant poetry between right. you know I mean, you know, I say, no, I, know I say, mean. you know what I mean? It was Speak. densely, densely, densely written stuff. You're in a safe place to love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else. That's that's what is like. that what's inside the little uh, wank booths at sex shops? <laughs> <laughs> You're in a safe place to love yourself. Basically, that's their Valentine's <laughs> decorations. There's a heart. <laughs> and someone came. And there's a heart going through that. And then, but the end of the heart isn't an arrow. It's it's a tip of a dick it's a glans penis i was going to be a little bit more uh medical tip of a dick does look like a like a heart a little bit yeah so does a lady's butt and her boobies and balls women ladies have balls i have balls chins peter griffin's chin (laughs) okay anyway (laughs) so i just remember okay what i'm trying to relate to Uh people that might be listening Uh the idea that stand-ups listen to this show Uh every scene seems to have these weirdos yeah that we don't really and then they become beloved treasures Uh and then we go what the fuck do we do listen to the problem that's you Uh everybody loves this guy he's super super funny he's everybody's favorite Uh uh we can't send him on the road we wouldn't want to send him Uh on the road you put him on the i've seen you on the road Uh it doesn't work it is. Ju- I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about in 2001. Yeah, do you 2001, understand? 2001, it didn't work for I'm, sure. I am not shitting. In fact, on I you. got a great story about that. Can I tell you a very quick story about that? Yeah, I won't forget. So that I was Andrew. performing in Vernon Hills, right? I know Vernon Hills, and I was open. Brian Regan signed his headshot. Where are the hills? Oh, that's clever. I know. Now was he? He was the vice president. Brian Regan. I know who Brian Regan is. Do you? Of course, I do. I'm teasing you. So, uh, all right, where were we? <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Vernon Hills, 2001, so, going on the road. I'm open up for for Jake Johansson. Uh-huh. I was there. Didn't I come? You were there one of the nights, yeah. I came and yeah. saw you with yeah. my stupid yeah. wife and your yeah. stupid wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to defend both wives from uh, that adjective. <laughs> they weren't stupid. But I, you know what I realized that night? Because we, we had to pay. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I was- Why with, did you have to pay? That's terrible. We, we, you got us tickets, but uh-huh. you still have to get two drinks. Uh-huh. And, then I was, and then I noticed just, even though the tickets were free- uh, just two items, and I remember this night so well. We got pretzels mm-hmm. and mustard, which was just a bowl of pretzels with a cup of French's mustard mm-hmm. and like a Coke because uh-huh. I was driving or whatever, no drinking. And uh, and Be- Becca got like a couple things, and your wife got a couple things, and uh, the bill was still a hundred dollars. Oh, Jesus! And I was like, that's when I learned that lesson. I was like, don't phone it in. These motherfuckers, the crowd, paid a hundred dollars yeah. plus the yeah, price yeah, yeah, of the yeah, tickets. Yeah. Sometimes, but you probably saw me on one. All right, so anyhow, this story happened on the night that you were not. I drove here. up I prom- with you. Did you? We all drove up. I remember being real all nervous four of us? for you. Yeah, all were four you of us. nervous for me? Super oh, duper so nervous. Sweet. I guess that is sweet. I I remember being terrified because I had really? played, buddy. I had Dude, played. I'm yeah, but I can take the slings and arrows, and I didn't do badly the night you went. No, you didn't. 
No. Good. I'm glad we're talking about this. Yeah. But I remember I had played Vernon Hills several times. Uh-huh. And uh, I am much broader than you, especially yeah, you at this were, time. At that time you were. I had a lot of material about, as I said to Mike Brightside, road signs and Chinese I remember food them. and like basic stuff. And bubblegum, baseball bubblegum. Baseball, oh, yeah. Like little, the, big, uh, league little, big League Chew. My and, big closer. Still, when yeah. I do a college, I'll do Big League Chew. Yeah. If I if I do Big League Chew, it's because I don't like the crowd. Ah! I, 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 have, I have nothing for them, and I'm like, I got to deliver. You guys remember Big League Chew? <sighs> uh, and then and then I and then you went up and you, and you did well. Uh huh. But it was it's 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 just a it's a square peg round hole situation. Yes, it is a square peg round hole situation. Tell me what you were going to tell me. All right. So first night I was there. It was like a Thursday, okay, and it was like fifty people in the crowd. It was the early show and uh, really, really, really lighthouse, which was a crime because Jake Johansson is one of the absolute very best. Because uh, I I um, am great. Yeah, yeah, he's a fantastic <laughs> guy. In fact, he was one of Kumail's very. Early favorites. Huge. Love, In fact, Kumail introduced him. him to me. I me think. too. I think he lent us all the same yeah, VHS yeah, yeah, tape yeah, yeah, yeah. of so, Joe Hanson special. Right. It, 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 this will take about an hour. Yeah. That's what it was called. And he does uh, the toaster with eight slots. Yeah, yeah. Who is yeah. making eight pieces of toast yeah. at once? Nowadays, you'd be like. It was interesting. That special Jake Johansson was a lot more absurd than he is than he became. Yeah, he was very weird back then. Yeah. But and see, Kumail used to be a lot more absurd than he is now. He sure did. And, of course, Louis C.K. did also. And Louis was Louis still weird. But Louis. He, I, was, he was very weird. And I loved his very weird stuff. His first album. Yeah. Well, he has his first album, and then he started doing what he's doing now. Yeah. I, I one time back in the day was listening to Louis C.K. live in Houston, I believe, or live in Austin, and uh, the old wife came home and said, "Oh, I love Jake Johansson." That's how similar they sounded. Uh. Not that she had like she wasn't the most discerning; like she didn't give a, as much of a shit as I did. But they sounded pretty <laughs> That's similar. That's an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so, 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 yes. I've got this bit, okay. <clears throat> and this bit had been do- doing freaking. I'm telling you something. Yeah. This stuff did well. The other comedians very quickly understood what I was doing better than I did. I mean, that's the truth. Are you talking about meat? Yeah, the meat, meat, meat. But I'm not getting to that one yet. No. So this what was. Bit? Well, do you remember early on? It was a highly tightly written bit. It was like a six minute guided bit. meditation. Guided meditation. I remember you doing guided meditation. And it did really well. Comedians love that thing. Comedians love you. Well, they do, and then, so, and now, unfortunately, it's 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 this it's this audience. <laughs> so it's Thursday. I remember it was daylight out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. It seven, was daylight. Seven out. o'clock show or whatever. Jake Johansson goes up there. I'm I'm hosting. That's what it was. I'm hosting. Yeah, you're hosting. And I thought my whole my whole thought was, and I was gonna actually, I just sent Jake Johansson the link to this uh, episode because I told him I was going to tell him the story, and I never did. But uh, uh-huh. I went up. And I thought, oh, this is my hero, Jake Johansson. Katie, I'll Katie, really impress him. Can this. you edit out my impression of Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I'll really impress Jake Johansson on this bit. Uh-huh. And I started in, and I'm an actor too, you know, so <laughs> so I, I'll act. Uh-huh. You know, I'll act. I'm not going to bail on a bit yeah. just because, you know, I'll act like it's going well. And well, these people the were not remotely, yeah, that's the chicken, exactly. Yes. That's yes. playing chicken. You were chickening. This audience were not remotely, remotely mean. They really weren't mean. Yes. They were just, I may as well have been, you know, I don't know, rolling up uh, scotch tape into little balls and throwing them at my 
uncle's car out yeah. in the parking lot for right. all they were concerned. Right, right, right. They did not. I mean, there was no communication, no hostility, yes. but hadn't hadn't the vaguest idea what I was doing. Right. And I thought, this is crazy. This bit, this thing works so well. Like people asked me to do this thing. Bobby, I got it. I'm sorry to keep interjecting, but it's my show and I don't care if Jake's like, let him, let him finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember my first road shows being similar. I had those- you. See, I w- I have told people that I think you're the only comedian I've never seen bomb. Well, that's just not true, but I appreciate that. Let's keep that going. I remember I had uh, beans. Remember, spill the beans. Yeah, and I had. Uh, what if it were literal bean spilling? The, <laughs> the setup was. Do you think? <laughs> do you think the phrase "spill the beans" originated yeah. in a situation actually involving oh, I know beans? The Which, by the way, it did. People used to vote with beans—one red or one white. Is that a fact? And then, if you spilled them, you'd see how everyone voted. Oh. And we're talking about like killing somebody. So you'd yeah. be like, "Oh, looks like we're going to kill Larry." So anyway, I just remember going to Rockford and having that exact feeling, being my lion's den bits, oh, my geez. my treasure. Yeah, bits. you were always going to Rockford. I went to Rockford once, but it was so traumatic. I probably told you about it ten <laughs> times. And I would go up. We've we've all quote unquote been to Rockford. Yes, we have. I, do, I know exactly what you mean. And I went up and I did my guided meditation thing and just watched people slipping away from me. Oh, so sad. And and the lion's den, small, tight, yeah. young, yeah. hip. Yeah. People are having fun. Beautiful. It's, it's Monday. Yeah. Then you take that wet seashell, that wet stone from the ocean, uh-huh. and by the time you walk it back to your beach blanket, which is a club on a Friday at uh-huh. 8 o'clock, uh-huh. the crowd is middle-aged and uh-huh. not hip. The stone is dried up, and it, now it just looks like a stupid stone. When you were at the ocean, Such it was hell. shimmering and beautiful. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just relating. I know exactly how you feel. You're launching into a thing that made you yeah. Yeah, yeah, who that's you right. were. That's right. That's right. It was my first blockbuster bit. Yes, but now you're emceeing. Yeah. And it's like the MC's job to like go who has birthdays as much as we hate yeah. it. Who has birthdays and you know uh, who wants chicken wings? Tell a couple jokes about a gas station or men are from Mars or whatever. Yeah, we all battled this. Not just yeah. you. We all battled yeah. this. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're doing the story and everyone was just silent. Yeah. Well, except. Do you remember? Except, do a little of guided meditation. Do you remember any of it? Sure, of course I do. Uh, all right, uh, I think everyone's a little tired, a little careworn, a little frayed. See, right there, uh, we're every, looking at everyone, the, everyone's gone. We're careworn. Looking the, is we're looking everyone... at the juncture between Robert's thumb and forefinger, and we're relaxed. Deep breath in and out. <sighs> and then they follow me around, and then you're the, uh, and then you're and then the subject in a dreamscape, and you're following me, but then I become this diabolical leader that you're following around. Remember that? Yes. And I lead you, my listener, into, into a pond. Yes. And then, but you're a ba- baby version of you. <laughs> and then, I remember there's a line, a wee bobbing blue bouncing baby, baby you. you we a wee bobbing blue bouncing baby you and the you're blue you know why you're blue because you done drowned yes and there's also a part correct me if i'm wrong where you're like and i and i, I just put my, my hand on the yeah, yeah. small of your yeah. back there's just hanky panky, gently yeah. just gently in a way that threatens you a little bit but also excites you that's right yeah god like you that. do know the bit yeah so i'm we like, all know the around. bit robert <laughs> so the only person who's laughing Yes. And I'll have to ask him, uh, if he even remembers this, about what the if, nature of that laughter was in the back 
corner of the Vernon Hills room, which you remember is half a football field away. Yes. So 50 people in the daylight at Vernon Hills, which can hold 600 people, yes. is a weird scene to begin with. Jake Johansson in the, you know, in the door of the kitchen where the, where the manager's uh-huh. not yelling at him for standing there, which he's always yelling at the MC for standing of there. Of course. What else are they going to do? He's laughing hysterically. Yes. Hysterically. Yes. I, I, I'm more than 90% sure he was laughing hysterically at the situation. You know, a young comedian who thinks he's hot stuff, uh-huh. being really creative and like losing everybody. Right. Because he's very gracious. Then he goes up before he's headlining. He says, oh, you know, give it up for these guys. They're all working hard for you. And he calls you by name always. Yep, very one of the most gracious headliners I've ever worked with. Very and then he says, uh, he says, oh, man, Robert, I think I think you got to just look right at him. Just laugh right at him. And he said that like as a way of kind of saying he, Robert's just messing around. Like, don't take it too seriously. It was such a kind thing for him to say. I don't understand. Well, he was kind of saying he was saying that to the audience. To the audience, yeah. you got to laugh right at him. Yeah, like don't be afraid of him. Don't like it's not chicken. It's not some weird thing. He's just saying stupid. Well, if things you stay, and you if you stay engaged with you, that's the big issue. If you stay engaged, it'll be fun. It'll yeah. be funny. If yeah, you stay present right. and you watch and you listen. Yeah, that's right. Then you're good. But here's the problem. I'm a comedy guy. Uh-huh. I'm going to a show at Vernon Hills. I don't know who the fuck is on no, the bill. That's right. And I'm with my friends. And you say, a lot of you, okay, I'm going to start. I, w- I want to do a guided meditation. Uh-huh. A lot of you are forlorn. Some of you are downtrodden. Can you describe your friends that you're with? Yeah, we're all wearing white baseball hats. I have a co-ed naked. <laughs> I have a co-ed naked. Uh, Bungee jumping. If it's not flopping, I'm not dropping. I just made that up. Did you? Yeah, that's very funny. You should run a t-shirt company. Yeah. That was good. I liked it. I don't like how much of an asshole you make me, but I enjoyed it. What is it about me that makes you an asshole? Because <laughs> I know that you are extreme. Ca- you know comfort. what it is? Yeah, it is extreme comfort. I'm so comfortable with and you. I, I was telling it, my therapist. I know that it's like you told your therapist. I that? tell my therapist that my closest friends are the ones that I can't get... believe you only have one therapist. That's so... you can employ a team of them for months. I think they. I, if I were, if you were, if, if this world were just, they'd only permit you about three and a half hours of sleep because sleep time the is wasting time. therapy yeah. time. I slept about 13 hours last night. So you were telling your therapist about me? No, I, I was telling my therapist that my best, my best friends are the ones that get the really mean jokes. I love and did you picture me? Mean jokes. No. Did you picture someone who looked a lot like me? I pictured a man with a perfectly round orange for a head. So yes, your head is so perfectly round. Where does that come from? Your perfectly round head. Uh-huh. I want to peel. It comes from the egg on head. my neck. It's not even an egg. If a chicken shat that, it would be like, what is this, a golf game? You have the most perfectly round head. If a chicken sh- shat that, it would say, I got to go catch a tiger, like Tiger Woods. <laughs> I got to go catch. Why does the chicken want to Because the ca- chicken's playing in the golf game. You gave it a golf ball. Yes. Well, he shit, he laid the perfectly round egg, which looks like a golf ball. But a golf ball's dimpled. It's not that round. This one. And an orange has got a little wooden nub on the top of it. Yeah. Well, that's where I think your neck attaches. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to stop being mean because people won't understand that I'm joking with you. Uh, or maybe, they, what am I kidding? Uh, what was I saying? I don't remember. Jake Johansson. Yeah, that story's done. Yeah, but Oh, you, oh, co-ed naked. So I am at the table. Oh, right. So you're there. If it's not 
Bob and I'm not dropping. I forget what I said. It doesn't matter. So the point is, is you say, okay, I'm going to do a guided meditation. And a lot of you are looking kind of betwixt my fingers right now. A lot of you are looking between them. That's not right. I want you to look betwixt them. Look betwixt them. Okay, so there's, there's this absurd. I love- People in your audience have to understand yes. that you, since we've known each other, You've done exactly what you do yeah. did just now, which is riff, riff in is my you. voice, which well, never sounds like me to me. But yeah, I, yeah. I recognize the cadences, sure. and you actually improvise things. And I will have to go grab a pen because <laughs> you one come of my up favorite. with things that are more me than yeah. what I come up with. I know because, well, that's the other great compliment I can give you is you, found, you did what everyone in comedy is trying to do, which is created a voice. A well, you know, very, very thing. unique I will say, voice. Thank you. I appreciate that. That anyone can imitate. Bridenstine just did the show. He was doing fake Bridenstine uh, Buscemi bits. Was he? We, and he was like, you know, he plays that movie all the time. Uh, Jordan Vote Roberts filmed a stand-up concert of me, like a full hour, you know? Yeah. And uh, Bridenstine plays that for people all the time. It's such a, a charming thing of him to do. I'm sorry. I was thinking about if what I said was too mean. Um, what, what did you say that was mean? Nothing. I'm not going to say it again. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. No, I already said it. I know, Pete, that you're a crumpled little ball of paper. <laughs> Let's talk about your finding a persona. Oh, okay. So I really would tape record all my sets. I still religiously uh, Every record Sunday. myself, but I don't Every do it Sunday. as a uh, didactic thing, pedantic thing. Don't look at Katie. She can't help didactic you. Didactic means she can't help you teaching help. of and about <laughs> teaching. So I used to listen to him just to extend the glory of... of the stage time, you know, you listen to it again. And I remember That's one day. That's absurd. No one I know does it, likes, likes listening to tapes. Oh, I love it. You like listening to yourself it. again. To me, performing on stage is like. It's the best feeling in the yeah, world. Yeah, but that's not what I said. I said listening to your set again. Listening to it again is an extension of the feeling. No, it's A remembering of the no feeling one, because I never no know one. ahead of time what it's going to feel like to be on stage. It's uh, honest to God, this is weird. I'm mystical about this. People are going to think I'm such a wanker, which I am. It's mystical to me, man. When I'm up there, time is just different. The whole world is different every time. And I never remember what it's like until I'm up there. It's yeah. the strangest phenomenon. And listening after the fact brings it back to me. It's like a, it's like licking the candy wrapper after you've eaten the, the, the candy bar. I've never, ever in my life heard of a comedian that likes listening. I love it, baby. To tape of themselves. I love it, baby. You know, and what? ask me what I'm wearing when I listen to it. What? Just regular clothes, pervert. <laughs> you know what? So, uh, so I remember listening to a full hour, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes on a sixty-minute tape. Maybe it was a ninety-minute tape, whatever. Uh, and uh, you know, set after set after set, lines den Monday, 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 Monday. I mean, you take there's twelve sets on there. That's twelve weeks. That's three months of your sets at the lions den. Mm -hmm. And I listened to him, and I didn't know what in God's name. This is the this is the honest truth. I did not know. I have any idea what I was doing when I started. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where the bits came from. I still don't know where they come from. But I didn't know what my quote unquote voice was or anything. I listened to the entire hour, and I heard a character on the tape. You heard a what? I heard a character emerge on the tape. I heard myself in oral form, A-U-R-A-L. And I heard like a character, and then I thought, oh, I'm kind of doing this thing. Yes. And then I could sort of write for it and direct it and shape it and all that. Yeah. No, I don't think you said anything weird. First of all, but the only thing that I'm having a hard time understanding is, and I want to put this to you, when I listen to a tape, what I'm doing again is being forced to reanalyze how the audience is responding, mm -hmm. but I can no longer 
adapt or change based on it. I'm listening to something that already happened. So I hear the laugh, and mm-hmm. I think one of comedians' skills is being able to read laughter yeah, the way yeah, that people right. read the code of the Matrix. You're like, I see yeah. a city street. I don't see code. I hear Or the laughter. farmer's almanac. What? Or the farmer's almanac. You're saying the Matrix code is a, is a far- farmer's almanac sitting on a table? Sure. <clears throat> I'm saying the way people study and read things for future I, yes. Progno- prognostication. You, oh, maybe the way a farmer looks at the night sky and yes. understands yes. how the weather's going to be the next yes. day. Yes. Okay. All right. So anyhow. What I'm saying is, so when I'm on stage, my job is to listen to and attend to the audience. Right. So they laugh like this. <laughs> and three people are clapping uh-huh. and two people groaned and this guy's eyes are glazing over. You, and can, then, see, you can hear that in an audio tape? No, I can see that when I'm on stage. And then when I hear it again on the tape, I hear all that information, but it's too late. It's already happened. All I can hear is what past Pete did. Hmm, and present Pete can't stand being fed the intel uh, okay. and not being able to change the battle formation. The only thing that really bothers me, I, I hear what you're saying. I could see having that distress, but I don't. The yeah. only thing that bothers me is when I get nervous, there's a single tell that I have. I go, I do this quick inhal- inhalation uh. of breath. And it's not even nervousness. It's just bad acting. It's me when I want to bail on a bit or I'm scared of the way a bit just went. Right. I hear that single tell. Right. And it's really distressing well, to Well, see, hear. Here, here's another weird thing about you is that you work when you have extreme confidence. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's And right. then, unfortunately, right. you need to be big-dicked and go up <clears throat> and be fearless uh-huh. and be like, these crowds are idiots and I am the shit and I will make them, I will make them worship me. And that worked, and then when you work, that's when you work really well. And then I, I remember very distinctly, I got you that spot at Rafifi. Do you remember this? In New York? Yeah. It was Eugene Merman show. It was Invite Them Up. It was a big show. No, I didn't get that. I never did that show. Then I got you on Welcome to Our Week, the third Yeah, okay. Show. All right, that one, yeah. And I remember that was, a, that was a big deal, and I wrote them this very glowing email uh-huh. about you. And you didn't do badly, but you didn't, uh, you didn't have that. Yeah. Because the problem, and here's what I'm telling you. And I'm the same way. I'm much, much better when I'm fearless. We all are. Uh The problem with comedy is it keeps plopping us in these situations where we're terrified. Yeah. So it does that, doesn't it? Yeah. And the job is not delivering at the lion's den. I'm talking about the job, not the art. The art might be delivering at the lion's den. The job portion becomes it's now four o'clock and you're taping Letterman and you have Uh to deliver. And it's 8 o'clock on a Thursday in New York, and you have to deliver. And it's hard to take something. You know, I think it's E.E. Cummings that says, uh, if you want the song, don't dissect the lark, I believe. Uh So you're this gentle lark, and it's Uh hard to study you. It's hard to normalize you. And it's hard to tell that lark to show up at 8 on a Thursday. Uh Because you are, you're like like modern art. Here, uh, let me me put it this way. I feel like when I started (coughs) at the Lion's Den, we had the two, I would say the two strongest comedians and the, and let's see, two of the very strongest. And they were already veterans the day you and I started on that scene (coughs) were Kyle Kinane and Matt Bronger. Okay. That's interesting that you left out John Roy. Well, John Roy seemed less of that scene to me. He was in the scene, but he was already working the road. So I would, de- I would describe him with at least 
one foot out that door. Yes. So he wasn't exclusively of that world. He was in that world a lot. Yes. And he was very, very good. But I'm You're saying right. of the people who were yes. almost exclusively in that world, there was Kyle Kinane and Matt Bronger. And then there were a couple other really, 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 really strange comedians. Okay. And they were big, big deals at the time. I don't remember who you're talking about. Um, just very, very, very absurd comedians who were around when you and I started that really caught my ear a lot and who were, to me, way strange and sort of left and very experimental and yes. very unlistening to the... <clears throat> they were so artistically sort of uh, uncompromising that they would go off on whatever tangent. Uh-huh. And I feel like Bronger and Kinane were moving in a direction of viability, okay. of kind of professional and, geez, even psychological viability, you know, mm -hmm. to sustain this course of action for a long time. You now, mean being monetizing it, becoming Monetizing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of it is monetizing it. Mm -hmm. But also having fun, keeping their feet on the ground sort of emotionally and interacting with a human world and not sort of going off into some warehouse and, you know, making the stranger art, you know, that's in the weirdest echelons of your soul, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. I have tried extremely carefully to keep that split in mind and keep an eye on people who were moving toward viability. And I've been very, very assiduous about staying away from that stranger, stranger, stranger realm. So I these days, these days, yeah, these days. Th this is the answer to the question that we're asking right now: yeah. is What these do you days, do with the oddball weirdo? Well, these guy? days, I first of all, I just listened to your episode with Kyle Kinane just a couple days ago, and uh, he was saying if you both agreed that you have to listen very carefully with a very practiced ear to your own set so when you listen to yourself you have to know when you had a bad set and you have to tell yourself that was a bad set and mm -hmm. you have to almost always put it on yourself and say this is how i could have changed it this is how i should have done it differently you have to have a very clear eye you also have to be able to give yourself credit when you do well but i have tried very 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 carefully to look at that evidence and move toward the laughter move toward yeah. pleasing the audience i have no wish but you, to play chicken, I have no wish. That's what I'm saying. You didn't. None. You didn't used to do that. Well, it wasn't a wish. It was just I, 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 it, you. I didn't know how to do that. Yes, and none of us knew how to do it for you. That's that. That's what I, yeah. as your friend, was trying to do, yeah. and what we were all trying to do. What do you do with a problem like Buscemi? Oh, but you also oh had my God in heaven. <laughs> Sorry, what is what, that from? What do you do with a problem like Maria? I believe it's from <laughs> West, <laughs> West Side Story. But the thing is, no, is, it's not West Side Story. What's that from? Who gives a shit? Story. <laughs> you sang the song. If you're going to talk musical theater, we're going to put our dancing tights on, buddy. <laughs> How do you solve a problem Bro. like Maria? Uh, Six feet tall and... And this is from the show, West Side Story. No, yeah, that's what they say. That's what the lyrics. I don't think it's... Sound of music? Maybe. Mm. We'll have somebody write it in. All right, so let's proceed with your... What I'm saying is, I, it's funny, I wouldn't have brought this up. I don't want to be very... Uh, you, you, we're talking about old Buscemi. Old Buscemi mm -hmm. had laughter years up the up the wazoo. You've heard that term. Mm -hmm. You would always think you did better than you did. No, I don't think that's the case. I'm talking about old Buscemi. I don't know. I how don't you think are that's now. the case. I was a I was a manically euphoric 
performer. I was manically euphoric about the art of stand-up. I think what I'm saying... But I think that's different from thinking that I did wonderfully all the time. I thought I was brilliant all the time, sort of. Like, I I thought I was... You weren't necessarily... I didn't think I was brilliant. I thought... uh, I probably thought I was better than I was, but I don't think that I thought that I did better than I did. Interesting. I remember it being a joke with like me and some of the other people that Buscemi, no matter what, like it could be, listen carefully, because what we're talking about is a, is a strange switch hitter, like a okay. pinch hitter. People are destroying, then you'd go up and you'd do okay, but you do, your premium was on doing what you wanted to do. Yeah, that's true. That's more true. More than it was destroying. Oh, that's true. You're not a destroyer guy. Oh, that's not necessarily true. Back then. That's not even necessarily true back then. You certainly killed, but I'm not talking about like your what what I mean by that is not that you never destroyed. Your goal uh-huh. going on stage wasn't necessarily to mow them all down. No, that's true. I was my goal was and you, remains to play my own game. That's exactly what I've I'm learned that's to exactly play. What I've learned to play the version of my game that will please the most people. Now, yes, and that's and that's been what's interesting about seeing you now. But it was I was absolutely defiantly. I had a chip on my shoulder about I'm gonna play my own game. Right. And so even now, that story about Jake Johansson being in the back of the room is a badge of honor. Yes. I'm proud that I stood down that crowd and kind of mocked their education which is incredibly rude and arrogant of me yeah but i had to affect some kind of arrogance and rudeness because i had to get by i had to take my lumps and i had to find some kind of sweetener for those lumps as i was learning to (laughs) take myself less seriously as i got better i could examine myself more objectively and move toward you know, like I'm saying, like Kyle Kinane and Matt Bronger move yes. toward my own version of viability. Yes. You know, what's funny, though, is, is when you were talking about Kyle and, and Bronger and then I said John Roy, John Roy to me is the opposite of you. And I also uh, don't, you know, I love John. I think he's hilarious. And we all we were all very much in awe of him. Mm hmm. In my opinion, he he was the the pragmatist. Yeah, that's right. He was. He's he's, he's, he's unapologetic about it. He's the unapologetic motherfucker. Stand up is happening. Yeah. I'm going to say it. You're going to laugh. I'm going to deliver. I will know the audience. I will yeah, adapt right. to them. That's right. You want to talk about a road act? John Roy has a road act. Reads the audience. Goes. This is a brouhaha. Fuck house in whatever town. I'm going to go up and I, I'm, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I'm going to do whatever. Yeah. I'm going to do my diarrhea closer. Right. And uh, that, in a certain way, let's take John out of it, that, uh, that betrayal of the Buscemi in us all uh-huh. and only going to – and I'm talking about – John's different now. Back then he was definitely a little bit more um, polished to a point where we're losing a little bit of his soul. Uh-huh. You're all soul a little uh-huh. bit, and none of that robot polish. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing. Well, I I'm, think it's an interesting conversation. Well, to have. I'll tell you, it, I, I'm telling you, there were these poles. There was this lefto, lefto, weird, 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 weird experimental art. And then there was 
top people moving toward viability. And you put Bronger and Kinane there. Now, that's a nice pair of poles to be between because it should be that Kinane and Bronger are the loose cannons who are being themselves and what you're trying to, the pole you're balancing is between them and really cheesy, terrible comedians. So I feel like the two poles that I had to work between were good to, you know, the right two. Yeah. So I don't know. I've learned, I've just learned to be more, I, I don't know. I just, I always got the biggest, 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 biggest kick out of being on stage. Always, mm-hmm. always. But now, you know, I'm better able to modulate it all. Right. And bring in what I want to freaking bring in, bring in the laughs I want to bring in. And I'll just write and write and write and make sure that the stuff that stays in is the stuff that people like. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Cause, uh, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's the answer. It's fun to watch you do it, and I'm glad you. Well, I, I'm glad you. you did do it because, by by rights, I think you uh, very well could have stayed in Chicago and just been that local legend guy that we all talked about. Oh no, I wasn't ready to do that. I was itching to get out. I was itching to get out. I got what I could get. I felt that ceiling on my head, and it was such a beautifully, beautifully, beautifully small scene. It was. I would say. I feel like it was about a tenth as large as LA's scene. Mm-hmm. So every week on Monday. If you sat there through 50 comedians, you would be one of those 50 comedians. And mm-hmm. so would Hannibal, T.J. Miller, Kyle Kinane, Matt Bronger, you know, Jared Logan, Nick Vatterot. Mm-hmm. You know, these people that now are really, 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 you know, happening. And they were happening then. Yeah. And it was a much more contained scene. You knew how to connect the dots. Yeah. You know what you know it's a weird thing I wanted to ask you about is you are you know for someone who's so you really are an artist you also really have the self promotional side. Yeah, like I an do. insanely you have this You're every, talking about my email auto tag. I know you are. <laughs> That's one of the things I'm talking about. What else are you talking about? There's lots. There's lots. <laughs> like you've been like kind of like a press guy. I was going to say whore, but I don't want to sound like I'm attacking you. You do like if I write you an email. Uh-huh. And you just write back, "Okay, I'll see you at dinner." Then it'll be like three screens of yeah. press. Well, I used to do that. I I had a long auto sync. I don't now. You don't now. All it is is a link to my new album. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then that I wasn't even going to ask you about this, but I remember when you did the live one in Chicago. I asked you if I could ask you about this, which was that time that you sent the email that you didn't mean to send. Oh yeah. No, I meant to send it. That's your angle. My angle. <laughs> Tell the story. I was, I was, <laughs> you're talking about the Andy Kaufman semifinals. That you won. Yeah, I emailed that I had won them, although I hadn't won them. And I hit send on the email to all my fr- friends and fans and all that. And everyone at Comedy Central. No, no. Yeah. No, I didn't send it to anyone at Comedy Central, for God's That's sake. That's a big part of the story was the email went out to everyone, including like the no. people that were running the festival and stuff. No, it didn't. It's my understanding it did. What do you mean it's your understanding? You had an email. <laughs> well, what's beyond the understanding? It's my recollection that it had Comedy Central people on it. No. Here, let me tell I'm not that stupid. I'll tell you the story the way I have heard it and the way that it remains a little bit in our friend folklore. Okay. Friend lore. You were going to New York 
you were in the finals for the Andy Kaufman Awards. Yeah, that's Let's right. say the finals were on Friday. Yeah, that's right. An email goes out on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Before I even went there. Like, before you even went, that yeah. went out to everybody that said, I just want to announce that I won the yeah. Andy Kaufman Award. This is a huge thrill. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to the forthcoming meetings and what this will possibly mean. Hopefully we can sit down and, yeah. and discuss this, blah, 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 blah. So people get this email. Uh-huh. Then shortly after the email, another email comes out to the same group and goes, I didn't mean to send that email. Uh, apologies for that email. Obviously, they haven't happened yet. They're this Friday. Right. If you're in right. New York, come on out. Then, so the popular theory, that's why I say that's your angle, the popular theory on this topic was... Who all has discussed this? Just like me and Kumail. Oh, all right. Emily, all right. Emily maybe. The theory was that you were doing, and I, I do not judge this, uh-huh. some sort of uh, positive thinking exercise that you wrote oh, the God, email. Maybe I should have done that. Maybe I would have won if I'd done that. <laughs> that you wrote the email, including filling it out to everyone that you would actually send it to, wrote the email, and then accidentally clicked send. That's not what happened? No, 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 no. Oh, that would be so much better. I'm sorry. I wish that were the story. I should have been that smart to creatively visualize. What did you do? The story was that I wanted to do some kind of a stunt because I felt like my stuff wasn't, my material wasn't Andy Kaufman-esque enough or strange enough for that festival because it was very kind of literary and it didn't involve any kind of like, you know leg pulling like he does yes festival does and the winners of that festival do and all that so i thought it would be really funny to pre-announce that i had won this thing even though it hadn't happened yet so i sent it out but i didn't send it to agents and stuff i just sent it to you know the my mailing list who i knew i could sort of fuck around with that is so disappointing. I thought this was going to be a big And you know, I knew that you wanted to ask scoop. about this because you you asked me about it like at ju- just for I, laughs. I never pre Well, you asked me beforehand. You said, can I ask you about that time? And I said, sure. Yeah. But then it was a live show. We were all on stage with you and it just didn't come up because you and I only up. interacted for like three minutes or something. And because I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's too weird. It's not the right question. No, it's the right kind of weird. Either, either answer is possible and funny and it's the right kind of weird all right well that's it's fair game it obviously is because the answer isn't nearly as embarrassing as i thought it would be i'm sorry Mm. i'm really sorry i mean have you been to have you seen the you know the kind uh, of shenanigans the kind of shenanigans they do yeah i feel like i'm going up there doing bob hope guys are crapping in mailboxes and sending them to their mothers (laughs) and winning yeah. So, you know, I was just trying to whatever. Who won that year? Was that Reggie's year? It was 2009. Year? No, it wasn't. I think it was Blaine Canise. Uh-huh. I don't know who that is. Well, Reggie Watts has won it. Brent Weinbach. Uh-huh. Nick Vatterot. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in fact, I, it's a great festival. I love those guys. It's right in my wheelhouse, the guys who run it and everything. And they've 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 had their own show in New York and they put on my shorts and they've been really you know nice and kind mm-hmm. toward me but uh no i didn't uh i okay. didn't i wasn't try- you know i wasn't trying to embarrass you and you know that wait a minute i don't what does that mean your show is question. you made it weird no i know but it's not you made it i regret doing his show <laughs> you made it i regret doing pete's show you know oh, what I mean? No. Give me a break. 
break. I, I was. Rap, so, I was I've been friends so, with you long enough. I'm listening. I, I believe I, me. I I'm know. more than used to listening to your uh, shenanigans. Yeah, <laughs> Shenana Twain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so cute. Um, all right. Well, let's let's move on to the other weird. Th- so we meet at the Lions Den. I'd like to go back to this. Story. We did. We meet there, and here's the weird thing: is you are in a, a huge minority that you knew my ex. And we were like couple friends. What do you mean I'm in a huge minority? No who, one who, no one met. I knew Becca better than anybody. There was a joke that Becca didn't exist. Do you think that I, among all comedians, knows Quebec, Becca more than anyone? Quebec? Do you think I do? My, Did? My Canadian ex-wife, Quebec. <laughs> is she Canadian or is she African-American? Either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's... There's no second place in that. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe so Dan, I knew her and nobody else did. Dan Kaufman met her, who can blow me standing up. Is he dating her now? Who, Becca? Yeah, Kaufman. Oh, is he dating Quebec, my ex-wife? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're dating. He's a lady killer, that guy. Danny Kay? He honestly is. I know he's, he's done well, but he has, a, he has a wonderful girlfriend. I know he's done well. I, I am aware that he's done quite well for himself. You're talking about a guy who's like sold a lot of insurance. Dan Coffin has done white, quite well for him in the uh, Tang department. <laughs> I just don't know if he'd want that out there. <laughs> no, you're right. No, of course he wouldn't. All right, what are we talking about here? <laughs> so, Becca, your wife, couple stuff. Becca, I had a dream about Becca. What? I had a dream about Becca. When? When I heard that you were getting divorced. Can I ask you? I want to hear about the dream. Go ahead. Well, first of all, I heard it from other people before I heard it, long before I heard it from you. It was hard to tell people. It was hard to tell you. Oh, that's sad. It was hard to tell you, and I remember. Oh, that's sweet. I also remember. No, I don't, I take, I don't take this stuff lightly. Uh, nor should I you. know it's painful. And it was. And I, you were one of the people that I called, and I remember, this is something that I've kind of, I wouldn't say harbored, but I remember at that time I would call you, and I didn't know what was going on. She was having an oh, affair. Oh, shit. She felt very distant. I'm not, I'm not shitting on you at all i just remember no i know i'm saying oh shit i'm feeling your pain yeah and i called you and i I remember you were quite yeah i would go on these walks around my horrible shitty neighborhood and i would call you wait a minute the one in the country yeah yeah because that enters into the dream yeah and i I would call you and i would just be like and i didn't even know how to articulate what was happening and then i i remember hypothesizing a theory because here's here's something that i kind of want to address this isn't Marin's show but this is a little weird uh, in his way, is that after the divorce, you and I were not as close, and I always, I always attributed that to the fact that we were married friends. And once I left, mm, once I left Team Marriage, I felt like you didn't. It's first a, of all, I was in New York, but also I just feel like we kind of fell out after that. Well, it's a big life change, and it shifts your friendships a lot. Yeah, it does. From getting married to being unmarried, it yeah. shifts your friendships a lot. Um, maybe we fell out of touch to some degree. I mean, hell, that's just how it happens. You move to a different city and you just don't see somebody out every night. And then you call once every other week and then you call every other month and then whatever. And And that happens. And then whatever, a year ago, you're here and you and I have started hanging out a little bit more and seeing each other from time to time, whatever. Uh, But uh, yeah, I remember you calling me and I remember you being out in the woods. You know, I'm living out in the country and I don't know what's happening out here. And there are gnats. It's like (laughs) it's like three Woody Allens combined, like two Woody Allens riding on the other Woody Allens 
Ben's shoulders <laughs> in terms of body mass. And, and that I little got a man. big trench coat on. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's a trench coat. Exactly. Yeah. So you, I don't know this, what's happening out here, and I can't get back to the city. I need to go to the city. I, this is a, ah, I'm that. Ah, I'm that. <laughs> you're slapping your neck. I remember those walks, and no one was oh, out. You poor bastard. I would go out on those walks, and it would be like 10 o'clock at night, and it was a ghost town. Oh, and I just, what was the name of the town? Sleepy Hollow. Well, the poor, it was not. It was. I lived in Sleepy Hollow. You did not. On Gory Brook Road. He's on the make as a young comedian in New York City. And, and he's he living in Sleepy, Sleepy Hollow. Hollow. The thing is, that's what she wanted, man. I know. She wanted a small, she wanted a more uh, depopulated life. She yeah. didn't like tripping over people. Yeah. You guys were just we going lived in two part, different directions. I know, I know, from the beginning. And you knew that, and you were very gracious to not just well, She was a very nice gal. She was a very nice gal. And I, uh, gal. I like it. But it fits, doesn't it? Thank you for liking it. Because I, 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 I felt fine saying it, but it, no it just, it's what gal. my parents called young women. Yeah, and she was, yeah, she was a nice gal. Uh, but uh, my dream was that I saw her. She was jogging, I think, outside like, yeah. in Sleepy Hollow, I guess it was, because it was in that little town where yeah, you guys were. And you were far away. You were back at your house or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe your house up there or something. But you were like... So in the dream, we were, were married. No, 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 no. You were together, but you were it, the separation had happened. Mm-hmm. You were leading very, very separate lives. You In my dream world, you felt you right. know, maybe three miles away, but you guys were done. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know what? That's a, that's a distance that is very real. What do you mean? It just, it just there's a period in, during a separation where the... The distance isn't just physical; it's spiritual, and it's oh it's yeah, just it was oh, very fitting. I've said many times it was like a bad play. The fact that we didn't see each other, that we were ships crossing in the night, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, yes. so in the dream, I run into her. She's jogging, I think. Uh-huh. She stops, and I just gave her. She gave me a big hug, and I gave her a big hug, and I sort of said, "It's okay, Becca." And she she sort of shook her head, yes, and we just gave each other a friendly hug. We were friends, yes. And then she kind of went away. It was very dark, and we were under trees and stuff, and she just went away, and I never saw her again in dreams or in life or anything. <laughs> but I kind of said goodbye to her. Weird. Isn't that weird? When was But that? I felt for you, you That's know, I knew sweet. you much better than her, but I liked her. She was a very, very sweet person. Well, she thought you were funny. And that's the key, isn't it? Well, uh, <laughs> I just mean that. I'm funny, but uh, one of my okay good friends, his wife thinks I'm hilarious, and I love his wife. Oh, I, any, hey, I listen, know John Wayne Gacy. If he laughs at my bits, yeah. hey, you know he was framed. But Becca thought you were hilarious. You would come over, and I had that IKEA. Well, I'm throw. a charming man. You sure are, had that IKEA throw thing? Remember? Yeah. It was. It looked like a. Sh- oh a sh- yeah. Uh, it looked like lanolin sheep's wool. You know, it's funny that house <laughs> didn't even feel that, that. That whole house didn't even feel. Just you, you just weren't right in that place. Levitt Street? Well, no, the house was all right, but just you were living in an apartment that didn't match your your exterior, just didn't match your interior. Like I hear you now on the podcast say, "Well, I'm single now, and it's weird, and I don't know what I'm doing with dates and all that." But this feels like the way you're supposed to be. The way I am now. Yeah, the way you are now. Yes. And I saw you. I mean. It's, it's, this is going to sound very strange to listeners, yeah. but I saw you about a year. I mean, I know I knew you very well for what three years or something. Yeah, the, the formative Chicago. Yeah, days. so I saw you out and about a year ago, and you had this like somebody, some wardrobe person on a shoot. You said, "Well, I just, uh, you know, I got some new wardrobe and stuff." And you had this like great looking jacket and stuff, and <laughs> your hair looked good. And you because you used to wear just like these blousey. Uh, <laughs> 
freaking Oxford shirts and you look so chic. And I was like, Pete, what happened? You look great. Uh, I remember sort of this. Said, well, yeah, I kind of will. She, uh, so well, I feel like look slick, beat Johnny Showbiz. You are Johnny Showbiz. <laughs> knock down some poontang. Oh, God. Jesus. Just, you know, live it. Well, you always, I don't know, you it's act very, like you're the schlub and you don't sell it. I'm uh, telling you, everybody says, oh, I'm a nerd. My ass, you're a nerd. You're not a nerd. <laughs> I don't say I'm a nerd. You don't? Good. No, I don't say I, But But my point is. It's very is, surreal for you to say that. My point is, yes. the, it, it, seeing you at the improv in a good looking jacket, like <laughs> being a badass comedian felt more like you than you I in, understand. A, in a house with it was a very, very nice wife, but it just wasn't. It didn't that, feel like that was you. That life was a strange pony that I rode to this life. It was a weird pony. Can we make it a horse? I feel bad for a pony's back. You're a big guy. I know, but it didn't feel right. That's oh, you're one step ahead of me on the metaphor. My feet are kind of dragging on the yeah. ground. I'm feeding you're it sort rancid of fake apples. Walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and eventually that pony just died. And They're I like, just people are like, away. is that the pony? What's the clip clop clip clop clip clop? And you're like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of adding that sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> now, so that ended, and you just got divorced yourself. Now, well, I am uh, separated. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm separated. I'm not fit, legally divorced. This episode, I have to tell you, this episode has been really weird. Has it? <laughs> you're dreaming about my wife. My balls hurt in that weird way they do when I think about that stuff. You know I have psychosomatic ball pain, right? You do not. I do. You do not. I do. I get it very rarely, but it's very rare that I talk about this stuff. What does psychosomatic begin with? A P or an S? A P. So you have PBP, psychosomatic ball pain. It took me that long, 15 seconds, to come up with those three letters for an acronym. PBP. Anyhow, I'm sorry about your PBP. (laughs) Worth it. Now, do you have any psychosomatic ball thing? That's what I think no, happens I to everyone when no. they get divorced. Now, look, okay, let me let me preface it this way. Uh, we know where it ends, you getting separated. Yes. You've been married, and God, it's so weird to me, Robert. I think one of the things why I'm always talking to you in the way that I do, the way uh-huh. that we are kind of now, in terms of strategy and career, and uh, how do we take you and use you, and how do I take me and use me, and where do I belong, and where no, do you belong? No, it's not usually how do we take you and use you. Yeah, but I, what I, I was thinking about that stuff for myself as well, is because we knew each other. But it was not those. as much of a question for you. No, it You was. just fit in better. It's just a guy, like, I, I happen to like more standard things, I suppose, mm-hmm. more, more approachable it's things. It's a good way to put it, although, and I'm going to completely change the direction of the, the conversation, I heard Kumail say on your very first uh, podcast it's ever the first one. that he that you both agreed that you used to do brighter, sunnier material than your actual personality was. Yes, yes. And I agree with that. Yes. And it was nice to see you start being more the bastard that you are. And I don't mean the bastard. I mean the no, adult, I know you mean. human, and male, like. You know, I mean, because a huge part of all of our personalities is all comedians' personalities, I think, in my experience, is just this, you know, strange, diabolical, cynical, yeah, you know, egotistical, you know, tiny, uh, whatever. It's something that regretful, uh, angry. It came up on the Dane Cook episode where we were talking about if you get on stage and you feel more restricted than you did off. That's you're, you're doing it wrong. Is what he said. You're mm-hmm. doing it wrong, and that's true. So we started showing right. all sides of ourselves. 
Um, but here's here's the thing. Um, I remember I'm a married guy and I'm uh, in this career. You're a married guy. You're in this career. Mm-hmm. Becca would take it more on the chin. She would move out to Chicago with me. She would move out to New York with mm-hmm. me. Uh, you had a, a more... You're older than I am. Mm-hmm. Your wife is older than we were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you were like this mature version of us. So you actually had yeah. boundaries and identities and stuff. Whereas we were both kids, you know, no, 20, true, 22 it? and 24. So I was like, we're going to New York. And she's like, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or we're yeah. going to Chicago, I guess. Uh, Sarah, uh, can I say her name? You don't care. Sure. Sarah is your wife's name. And uh, uh, she, she was always more, a little bit more like had her stuff, had her preferences. So when it was like, are you going to go to New York? You'd be like, well, you know, Sarah's got this thing and uh, that sort of stuff. So there's always, you know, you had this other consideration. Well, she had a career. She had wisdom. She had prudence. She had financial considerations. She had her eye. You guys owned your place. She had. We owned our house. Yeah. She moved to Chicago for for my sake. She actually did pull up stakes and move to Chicago for me. Mm-hmm. So we were there, and I immediately started in. You know, I got to move again. I got to go here. I got to go there, and it was a little harder of a sell maybe or yeah. it was less but yeah so I, I hear what you're saying and then you started which was always bizarre to a codependent person me I never uh, people always would assume that my divorce was because I didn't see Becca I don't think I went longer than two three days tops without yeah. if I went on like an important road yeah. show yeah um, you used to like go to LA for three weeks uh huh yeah, and Zara would go visit friends or go do some photo project uh-huh. in Europe or something. You guys would like do – you had your own lives. You were not as codependent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You were independent and she supported yeah, Cause she I, had, I used to she, be She kept her name. She had her career. She was very adamant and tenacious. In fact, she was a lot doing a version of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, she was very insistent about – me taking a chance and doing with my life what I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it when I met her and she challenged me to be an artist, you know, and that's why Cause she's I, an artist too. Yeah, she's an artist too, but I couldn't, that's why to this day I can't view <laughs> art as a, from a purely pragmatic perspective. I just can't allow myself to do that because if I were going to be purely pragmatic, I wouldn't have been an artist. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a, Oh, I get it polarity to those two things so i insist on my right to be non-pragmatic you know, you to know, some degree you, that's that's you, that's why i love uh nirvana um this comes up sometimes is i have a picture of kurt cobain in my house and one of the reasons i love kurt cobain is that he was this fucking psycho punk rocker guy mm-hmm. you know bleach jump in the audience jump on the drums guy who wanted to create popular music? Mm-hmm. That was that's what I love about Nirvana. Yeah, he he wanted to be the Beatles. Yeah, he yeah, didn't want yeah, yeah. he didn't want to be the Sex Pistols or yeah. or, or, or the Clash. I'm trying to think of an even more esoteric reference. He didn't want to be the uh, the casualties. GG, what's his name? GG Allen. GG Allen. He didn't want it perfect. I, I don't want to be fucking GG. I understand. I don't want to be GG Allen. Screw that. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to like do you know take up heroin. I don't want to die yeah, yeah, young. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. do any. No, of that. obviously, obviously, you're 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 not that. But let's say we've talked about that enough. Let's talk about 
uh, what happens with with, uh, with 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 your wife? Well, so she got me. There's a there's a T Rex after us. So if we could, if we could, if it would be okay. So he's basically doing Jimmy Stewart. Ah, well, no, 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 no. Jimmy Jimmy does a different sort of thing. It's more of a ho ho ho, and Jeff Goldblum is more down here. Yeah, yeah. I saw the best interview. The best Conan, your man Conan, interviewed. Jeff Goldblum one time. It was the best panel conversation I've ever seen in my life. Jeff it. Goldblum did not speak a single syllable about any project or TV show or movie or anything that he was on there purportedly to talk about. Yeah. And Conan didn't lead him there. Their, their entire conversation was digression, the whole thing. Ah. I loved it. It was beautiful. I, I should, I should uh, Google search it. I sh- you know what, Peter? Yeah. I should bang it. You know, sometimes, I should bang that. Sometimes I'll go home and I'll use a, a, a search engine. It's it's not a, a computer. It's actually an old 1953 engine that was in a Camaro that I have a bird on. The bird's name is Pablo. And I'll tell Pablo to go and fetch me information. Pablo will come back and he'll have something betwixt his beak. <laughs> Usually an answer to a different question, but Pablo does his best. <laughs> That's Pete improvising a joke for me. That would maybe and uh, it would work. It would, would make its way right into my act. So you are married, and now you're on the way to not being married. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's uh, very amicable, uh, which does not mean easy or delightful. It's quite a different thing. People yeah. don't realize that, but uh, yes. it's very amicable. Don't have a, a negative thing to say. Uh, just you know, sort of like what you're. Uh, you know what we talked about with you was just it just wasn't the right uh, fit. Well, anymore. you guys did, you know, and and I loved you as a couple, and I enjoyed uh, our time together, and I also am very fond of your wife. It did feel a little bit like, you know, what you were saying. You're, you're moving in different directions, uh, pretty much the whole time. Really? Yeah. I mean, like when it came to comedy, which is how I knew you. I didn't know you as a man. Yeah. I knew you as this weird comedy guy. Who wanted to like go to L.A. Just go out and ride. And so you're ride. saying my instincts to ride the rails and whatever, go out and do comedy and have that be my whole life and exclusively what I did and my whole preoccupation seemed at odds to staying in Chicago, being married, hanging around married friends who weren't in the comedy world right. and all that. Let's yeah. say this. It was yeah. not a surprise to you when I got divorced. or when No, it went, wasn't. And it wasn't a surprise to me when really? you got divorced. No. What did I do? Call you or just tell you or you just heard? Where, how, when did you tell me? I think you emailed me. Oh, jeez. And then so I had to read all that fucking press. It was, you know what? It's the one thing that makes my emails worth reading for people because a lot of people. I've had you people were like, it's not working with me and Sarah. The Onion called me and it's all broken. A man doing stand up. Fantastic. <laughs> Time out, Chicago. Called me. Scaffall, worth but, seeing. Good. <laughs> The corn servitory said, "Yeah, tickets available now." Right, exactly. <laughs> Go so, on. So uh, let's, let's get into some hurt. Let's get into some get hurt. Get into some hurt. Together. Well, you know, it's tough, man. You don't think it's going to happen to you. You think you got this life staked out. You think you're going to be this couple. You think Were you're you going to be married. Sweetheart? You feel like no. I thought you were college. No, man. I was in graduate school, and then I left graduate school for a little bit. I was in graduate school in English lit. And uh, then we met then. Uh-huh. And when we met, 
she encouraged me to go into theater. I was at a life crisis, you know, because I was in graduate school in English Lit, and it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I saw that very clearly. And I was just afraid to go into acting. Initially, it was acting. Just afraid, afraid, afraid. I mean, it's a scary thing. And we just talked about it, and she talked me through it. And she finally was the one that lit a fire under my ass. For that matter, she lit a fire under my ass to go do stand-up. Mm-hmm. She got sick of me talking about it. She's like, enough, 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 enough. Get out there and do stand-up, mm-hmm. which is, you know what? It's a hard, 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 hard thing to start. And this is interesting. I was thinking about this before I came on here. You and I both did hour-long comedy shows before we ever did stand-up. What do you mean? You did like an hour of stand-up yes. at a one-off gig before you ever did an open mic. Yeah, that's true. And I did an hour-long uh one man show, huh. a sketch show before I ever did stand up. Huh. Uh, wow. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. We both like threw the hat over the fence before. I use that. I stole that from you. I use hat over the fence every day. Really? I love hat over the fence. That's yeah, nice. Well, I got a lot of hats. <laughs> and you throw them over a lot of fences. Yeah. You, so oh. so uh, she's the one that swatted me on the ass, said, You got to get an agent. I didn't have an agent. You know, you got to get out there and you got to. And she would just say, who do you like in show business? They have an agent. They have an agent. And she finally just said, I'm sick of hearing excuses. So she was very, 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 very powerful in pushing me mm-hmm. to get myself ahead. And that was – it was great. But, but you, ultimately, we just – it just didn't – You said that – you can take any of this out, by the way. What does if that I, mean? I, I don't think we've said anything that you don't like so far. But we're going into a weird area. So I, I want you to know. Let's speak freely. Okay. If you don't like it, we take it out. Because really? you – yeah, if if you if you're uncomfortable with it, so I get to listen to the rushes. You can li- listen to the to the rough cut. Okay, absolutely. All right. So All let's right. just talk about it freely, because you told me something, and you told me in confidence, and here we are talking not in confidence. Okay, you told me that it uh, you should it should have ended a long time ago. I did tell you that I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did tell you that it. Uh, it it uh, should have. I I am still dealing with. Uh, it should have ended before it ended. I should have. I should have been more forthcoming about my desire for it to be over. Mm-hmm. Before it was over, I should have been more forthcoming about wanting to not be married before I finally said, "Right." So it was a bit of a. It was uh, my part. I would call it. It was a pathological, uh, 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 incredibly half-assed, half-baked, self-delusion, delusional, and uh, ultimately hurtful. Because uh, you didn't uh, want to admit instinct to yeah yeah instinct to. Uh, make things nice and i should not have submitted to that i should not have indulged my own incredibly shallow thin ruse that things were okay i was half i was i don't know the degree to which i was lying to myself but i was certainly lying to other people and i was just in a bad place for a long time with it now when we talk about hat over the wall that that's something i did get from you i remember i was seeing a girl that i really 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 wanted to break up with now that's old pete i swear to god it is I don't do that anymore. Deal with things in real time. Uh-huh. And then I didn't know how to be cruel to be kind. Yeah. You end it because it's cruel to keep it going. Being The kind thing is right. actually to end it. And I remember I, I was bitching to you, we, as we do, 
I, I, we were, went to we were at Tiger Lily actually, and I was telling you I was like, blah, yeah, blah, I blah. remember. I can't stand it. I'm going nuts. I fucking yeah. hate it. I need out. I need out. I need out. Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing? And I was I, I was like, I'm telling all my friends, and he was like, well, you're you're throwing your hat over the wall, meaning you have to go and get your hat. Meaning I write the check that says I can't be in this relationship anymore. I have to cash it. Yeah, that's right. And, and so I love that expression. That's right. Now here's another thing. Feel free to take out. But you told me. I asked you if you would be willing to talk about this. I pre-questioned you, you about this. You did. You were seeing other people. I was. Uh... Safe place. I'm here with you. I'm your friend. <laughs> I'm not trying to attack you. I don't want no, you to No, of course you're not. You're I, just asking. We're too, uh, we're, we're... I was not playing by the rules. Right. And it wasn't good. And it was deceitful. And it cost my marriage and it cost me because mm-hmm. I was having a real, I was just in a really, 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 really lost place. I mean, I was just in a lost place. Mm. I was just living two lives and I was, you know, I, uh, what do you mean two lives? I was just being highly deceitful. Oh, you highly had deceitful. another relationship. Well, no, I mean, I had another, y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was living this, lie that i didn't seem intent on uh reconciling i didn't seem to have any plan to stop lying and Mm -hmm. it was i you know it it leaves a lot of uh it was it was very 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 painful and guilt inducing and shameful and not good and i wish you had been more decisive oh my god i would get uh, it's the biggest regret of my life i was i was not doing anybody any favors myself Foremost, probably. Yeah. Or not foremost. Meaning myself, you, you know, obviously you, her too, enormously. But of course. Nobody deserved that. And I was just being a shit You heel. acted, you you were being a shit heel, sure. But you did that because you were hurt. People don't, Becca cheated on me because she was hurting too. You know what I mean? She was looking for her way out. Yeah. She threw her pussy over the wall. <laughs> God. <laughs> now, uh, look, I sympathize with that. Becca was in the wrong thing, and she cheated with a small Italian man. Yeah. I always I don't know why I call him small. He's so muscular. <laughs> he really is. Now, you, you were unhappy. Yeah. You were in pain. Yeah. And sometimes, I'm not here to endorse this behavior, but what I'm understanding about cheating is it's the hat over the wall. You go, I don't. Yeah, that's right. I can't that's look right. this person in the face. That's I can't right. look two families in the face, mine and hers, my life, her life, and go, I'm electing to end this because of a feeling. But you fuck somebody else and you go, looks like we better end this. Yeah. Looks like, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. I committed murder. Give me the death penalty. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's it. That's... And it's so, yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's right. So, what, I'm sorry. But I mean, I was, the thing is, so I'm leading this dual life. I'm, I'm completely not what living is, honestly yes. at all. I mean, I wanted out, but I was saying I was staying in. And it just wasn't to, right. To new secret lover and your wife? Both are getting no, the, no, no, the no, story, no. I'm going to stay with my wife? No, my wife's getting that story. Secret lover is getting your, your crimes and misdemeanors in? Um, God, what a great reference. Uh, no, no, that was just a mess. I got lucky on that. That just didn't, it didn't, it didn't pan out ultimately, but there were no particularly 
uh, horrific feelings on either side on that. I kind of got half lucky on that, which is a weird word to apply. You mean because it didn't turn sticky? Because it didn't turn too ugly in the end. It didn't turn into calls to your house hanging up. It didn't turn into calls in my house hanging up. Yeah. Rob home. Right. Good callback. um, It's a great callback. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Stay on it. So, you know, when I was taking refuge, I was I was drinking in a bad way. I mean, this is this is fuck. I'm gonna have to I don't know that I can live with this being on the air. Yeah. So I get to look at this first, right? Of course. I was you know, I always hung around a ragtag crowd. I always like a, a group of party people. I always, you know, I've tippled. I've always enjoyed a drink. Mm-hmm. But I was noticing a different not quantity necessarily of drinking, but a different input output uh, uh, dynamic in my drinking. I was drinking. I, I mean, I I needed very badly to interrupt my drinking, to just stop drinking, because you know how it is being a comedian. You're out on a Monday night, and it's more fun than a lot of people are having at, you know. Six the, flags. At Six Flags yeah. or freaking New Year's Eve. Yeah. So there you are on a Monday on your sixth beer because mm-hmm. you're with pals and you're all buzzed from being on stage and all that. Mm-hmm. And then you live in L.A. and you got to drive home and it's like, oh, you're not used to curbing uh, it. You're not used to curbing it. You never curbed it in the past. You're playing chicken with your life, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I was doing. And I... This is crazy to admit, but I, I would say I, I actively courted getting a DUI, hmm. and I got a DUI. You did? Yeah. I, I almost th- knew that I was going to get it because I just – I needed an interruption in my drinking pattern. That's Put it that way. I just yeah. needed an interruption. You know me. I was never the worst by any means. No. That leaves you a lot of space to drink a lot. When all you have to be is not the worst in this crowd of reprobates that we hang around, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that leaves you a lot of alcohol abuse to indulge in that yeah. seems okay. And you'll be number 17. And you'll be number 17. You won't even make it in the room yeah. with the big boys. Yeah. So it just wasn't <laughs> feeling right. And sure enough, I got a DUI. When? Uh, Here in LA? Yeah. year and a half ago. By the way, never, ever, 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 ever do No it. one thinks it's you're endorsing seven that. seven cents. Seven times worse than you think it's going to be. You think it's going to suck? It does suck. It sucks seven times worse than, than you think it's going to suck. Uber. So, you got to so, use Uber. Uber. So uh, <laughs> Can got that. Uber to I, be felt like, I felt like I was trying to not pay off my debts but get all my bills. Like I wanted a final bill mm. on certain portions of my life. Like what's the damage? Just show it to me because mm-hmm. I can't incur more You want damage. the diagnosis. I, like what's the diagnosis? I have to close the account. I've already racked up enough karmic debt. You wanted to hit things. bottom a little bit. I wanted to hit bottom a little bit. I didn't want to hit a brick wall or another car. Or a person. So, or a person. So I thought, let's, let's stage an intervention because I don't seem to be doing it on my own. I did indeed stage that intervention. Wait, you I had find- an intervention? No, 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 no. I'm oh, you mean the DUI? The DUI counted as an intervention. That's acted so interesting. as an intervention. Yes. Well, it's, it's quite real. Huh. It's quite the what happened. Yeah. And... I, you threw yourself an intervention. Right. I threw myself an intervention. In a dangerous and irresponsible way. We're acknowledging that. But you needed it. You were <laughs> you were a sad and hurt person. Yes, I was a sad and hurt person. I did that. I finally um, made a bit of a reconciliation with 
my wife where we said, okay, this is not working. We're going we're gonna to part. Wait, the DUI led to this? No, not exactly. But it helped. It helped. Was a, was a par- it was on a parallel track. It was on a parallel track uh-huh. to the problems in my marriage. It was both caused by my own uh, self-delusion and my own, uh, you know, kind of lying and trying to medicate my like, like you know, badly self-bastardized spirit. Yes. And then it wound up also driving a further wedge into and and you know, mucking up my marriage even worse. Mm -hmm. So I staged that intervention with the alcohol. I finally, mostly with the help of my ex, came to a place where we said, all right, we're going to lay down the arms and part. Mm. And we sort of laid down arms and said, we're going to put our arms up and walk away in peace. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, and that's where we've been ever since, Mm. just laying down that. And so we communicate. She treats me like a person and communicates with me and never threw in the towel on me and you know there's there's uh, a certain amount of uh inevitable squabbling and conflict that happened because you have to untie your lives legally financially That's this way and the other way about. and uh there's some uh, obviously i wouldn't call it bad blood but there's obviously some historical dissatisfactions with the other person mm-hmm. but we've i've tried hard to no longer be the prick that I was being because mm. I was being a prick and I wasn't proud of myself and I did never want to go back to that place. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't good and it wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I'm the most regretful about is that it just wasn't fair. It's one thing to live on your own and be drinking too much and, you know, uh, being an idiot, and but it's another to be bringing another person down with you and I should have been far more forthcoming far earlier and I had to come clean and reconcile and communicate with a circle of friends and with her and come clean and say, I'm not going to be that way anymore. Mm -hmm. But it took me so long to get to that point. I don't say that with any pride. Mm -hmm. I I, I wanted the bill. It's like I said, I wanted the bill. I finally got the bill. Well, the, so the getting the DUI is like setting up a way to stop that abuse and then the cheating was another way to set up an intervention on the marriage, in a way. Putting a hit. Um, yeah, yes, I would say that's the case. I should have, we'd all do best to have identified things before things came to that pass, before mm-hmm. you're... Uh, b- before you're deliberately sabotaging, you'd sh- you'd be- do far better to communicate more openly and freely and clearly and directly and uh, uh, diplomatically and carefully and uh, intelligently and professionally and get yourselves the help that you need. Obviously, that would have been completely ideal. But for whatever reason, I didn't do that. Mm. I just let tensions build up. And then when you do the sabotaging everything's going down the drain and that, you know, the sabotaging itself causes a distance on top of the distance that had been there to cause you to want to sabotage and then everything's a big mess. So I'm, I'm telling you, I feel very fortunate that nobody's kind of uh, read me the right act or turned their back on me, her especially, and that we uh, are able to uh, maintain a... Um, uh, a functioning relationship mm-hmm. 
And uh, even when we squabble, there's, you know, there's a, we also then can be friendly toward each other. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I feel fortunately that uh, I feel fortunate that I got a chance to get my head out of my ass. Mm hmm. Put it that way. <laughs> Do you? This is such an obvious question for me, for people that listen. One of the things I'm trying to, I, I like, I like love. I like love a lot, and I like relationships and all that sort of stuff. And then I tend to have this weird bias in our job. I don't. I, I'd like to think I'm letting go of it. But now, here's my question to you, and it's going to so be obvious about what I did. My marriage ended. And then what I did was I took all of the RAM that I was putting towards the – I'm a computer now. Mm-hmm. I took all the RAM that I was using towards the relationship, which was a lot. Took a lot of uh, my energy. Um, and then I took all that RAM and I just put it completely in the in – the, I was going to say the me file, but really in the comedy file. Did you? What do you mean? Is that what you did? What do you? I don't understand. I thought you would understand exactly. What I, I didn't mean. know it was possible to go A to B, boom, boom. The exact RAM is used for both softwares. I the let's just say the energy that I was putting towards having a. No, function. I like RAM. It just I'm just wrapping my head around the. But here you are, no longer married. Uh huh. So. With something like drinking, it would make a lot of sense. You could stay out late and you could fucking drink all you wanted or whatever. You can also say yes to every show, whereas before there might have been a consideration, uh, perhaps. Like if I was like, come with me yeah. to Melbourne on Sunday. Yeah. In the past, you'd be like, okay, you probably would have done it, but you'd be like, I'll probably run that by my wife and see yeah. how that works and all that sort of stuff. And I'm trying not to have too clearly a preference to being single, but are you finding... You you now have an apartment, I imagine. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you now get up whenever yeah. you get up. And yeah. you don't have to pick up – I don't want to be too much of a cliche, but you don't have to pick your socks up off the floor. And you can do stupid shows and you can get up in the middle of the night and write something down. And well, blah, you blah, know blah. what? She always left more socks on the floor than I did, first I mean, of all. I remember that about her. I'm joking. Um, I'm joking. No, she's very charming. and, and uh, she Actually, I would say – I know what you're saying, but that wasn't quite the dynamic. She really wasn't – inhibiting toward my art really much at all i managed to go out a lot and do comedy the thing that did fuck me up Hmm. the thing that did fuck with my ram for comedy was the whole spiritual entanglement it was the it was the uh you're dissatisfied just the rot in my you know my conscience that kept my ram you knew it was pushing wrong. into that i knew i was it was wrong and i was just living wrong for a long you time you were running an escape program i was running an escape program and so it wasn't good for the marriage or the comedy yeah yeah so it wasn't her fu- it didn't have anything to do with you know picking up socks and checking whether we were supposed to have bridge night with our couple friends right she wasn't that kind of spouse i mean she really wasn't mm-hmm. she was all for my comedy and very mm-hmm. supportive and like i said she's the one that got me to do it in the first place sure it, it but but it was my own just shittiness of my actions and spirits and dilemma hmm. that kept me from what, pushing the what, way I wanted to push. What was the thing? You know, with Beck and I, it was I wanted to be a sleek jacket comedian in a city. And Becca wanted to be a jogger in the woods. <laughs> yeah. That is our thing. 
that was our thing. Uh-huh. With couples, I, I I find myself thinking the thing is the thing. When couples uh-huh. are like, we're perfect except this one thing. He's a diehard Muslim and I'm an atheist. I'm uh-huh. like, well, that's the thing. <laughs> so at least you know what the thing is. Yeah. And my thing was country mouse, city mouse. Not to say that that can't work, but what was your thing? I think I think as much as anything. I think we both are a slightly I, – I don't know that you know this about me so much, but I think we both are sort of – we we both push outward. Hmm. Just in, moment by moment, instant by instant, we both kind of are emitting ideas and art and generation, and we're both highly kind of extroverted. And it got so maybe it was like two stereos in the same room, maybe. Okay. Something like that. So it wasn't that – I would say it wasn't at all like you and Becca. It would be more like you and someone who's a lot like you. Mm-hmm. And you described to me a relationship you had after Becca that was more like that, mm-hmm. where you were kind of knocking at each two other's alphas. heads. Two alphas. That might be it almost. I mean, we're two alphas. We were two artists very serious about our art. Very serious. And just the energy just... I don't know what it was, but it just got so... It wasn't as, um, uh, you know, sustainable or productive after a period. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, I was interested that you're dating somebody now. <laughs> Listen, I can't help it if women like me. I don't know why they do. I'm telling you something. I do not know why they do. It's stunning. I have, you know what it's like. It's like I walk out around there. It's like I don't know anything about light. I don't know anything about the physics of light. Mm -hmm. But there are certain rays that only certain people can see, or certain tones of sound that only certain people can hear. Mm hmm. I'm one of those rays of light, one of those tones. Like certain women have that part of their ear that they can hear me or that part of their makeup and their eye that they can see me. Nobody else gives two shits about me. But, every but if I in come a into a room and there's that woman, Ooh, uh. she'll just practically fall forward. And I have to, that's why I walk around with an EMT buddy, my partner, Jeffrey, uh. <laughs> and I have her and i point to and the he corner he's gotten her. so he sees the signs and he catches her while she's falling yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we and then you scoop him and then we if, scoop I, if him. i ever see a woman that's you know she's got the vapors for me you know i'll go ahead and scoop her uh, that's like your joke about uh, being in bed with three lanky women yeah yeah, yeah yeah tell that joke uh I'll tell i was you. able to pull my signature sexual move last week i know a lot of people in the audience tonight follow my blog and i want to thank you for being here for that but you <laughs> so you saw i was able to pull off my signature sexual move which is whenever there's three particularly tall skinny scrawny rangy hippie women i have in bed at the same time i'll go, I'll go ahead and braid them into a huge multi-orifice macrame rainbow flower hemp hoop and roll it down main street like an 18th century schoolboy in short pants la 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 little forked ribbon tail waving off my hat <laughs> la la i know exactly why some crowds find, i find you such a delight i know you but know. i know all the words you use oh, most you people some of you don't know some that's true but i can i can guess with context clues 
But uh, no, I, I'm dating someone and it's just going swimmingly. And uh, it's Wait, a, it's how, a good, good So time, this isn't man. one of the affair girls? Oh, Jesus Christ, Peter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to no. be. I, I didn't no. think that was a it's shocking question. It's absolutely. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think. I, I'm surprised no, 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 you were no. both it's, surprised. It's okay, Cupid. It's after the fact. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 even, no. No, that's fine. If I'm going to be brazen, I at least want to yeah, know no, I'm cool. being brazen. Cool. No, I'll tell you something. All that, the last, whatever, 20 minutes, it is very, 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 it's, 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 it's fucking painful to talk sure. about. It's, it's, there's pain it's and hard shame, for me. It's hard for me mostly hear. shame and guilt because I was such a fuck not, yes. such a fuck not. Yes, yes, really, yes. really, really had trouble. So you, know. you get so I I Separated. I finally tell everybody yes. kind of it's I've been on a truth and reconciliation campaign of sorts. Um and then kind of went on okay cupid, you know, like I said I I still feel very very fortunate that my um ex uh is able to uh uh, you know, move forward and treat me like a person, and and so I'm on OK Cupid, and, and and you know everybody's allowed to date, and there's no more deception or anything. And I met somebody, and, and we're dating. So what what is interesting to me isn't isn't so much how I'm repulsed by you physically. It's I'm, why would you be repulsed I'm, by I'm me? Joking. See, you can't. You don't have that. Uh, you don't joke. hear the. Uh, it was a comedy joke. That sound wave or the eye or yep. the vision wave. I don't, I can't you're not s- one of those people. I can't see your photons. But no, I understand why you're desirable to women. In fact, you've told me many times how you used to clean up in college. That's when we got drunk. You used to love to tell me how much you cleaned up in college, oh God, and I used to tell you that I wore large condoms. Do you remember that? Well, you'd see them lying around. I'd say, "Oh, can we reline your uh, little gar- your little uh, rubbish bin?" And you'd say, "No, that's my condom." <laughs> that's so funny what you just said. They're not that big. They're slightly bigger than a regular condom. I have a friend that wears those XLs. Who you don't know? A them. woman? It sh- yeah, she wears as it on- what galoshes? Yeah, she wears them on her feet when she goes trouting. That's trouting. Fishing for trout. Oh, okay. It's what us trout fishers call it. Now, here's what's cu- well, here's what's by curious about what you did. I just love saying by curious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I love you... it too. I love it too. It's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's very it's funny. so funny. You were in this thing, and then you pretty quickly wanted to date somebody. Somebody you wanted to date. Yeah, I'm just. I, I think that's yeah. worth noting. I well, guess. I'm like you. <laughs> you love. Ladies. I'm like you. I love ladies. And you I'm love very very romantic, and yes. I, I I love. I, 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 Almost all my close friends are women. Mm. Uh, my new roommate is is a woman, and uh, we're just great pals. I just get along with women really well, Me too, and yeah. I understand how to talk to women. And yeah, we're both women men. Yeah, we're those we women. Are. So I understand. I wasn't. Ju- there was no judgment there. It was just you keep worth- telling me that you're not judging me. I never think that you're okay, judging good. me. I just don't want the people listening. I'm to aware. Like, no, I don't care. Grilling? I don't know what they think, but I'm aware that you're. You started dating someone right you away. You and I talk about stuff that's that's we just always have talked about stuff like, you know, this at a, at a serious level. And I think you're always surprised that I'm as perceptive and wise about your situation as yes, I am. Yes, that's true. That's why I always I have a lot of friends who are like that. I act like such a galloping jackass all the time. Yes. That they call me when they're thinking about a breakup or they're in the midst of a breakup or whatever and they're always startled to find oh, like yeah. wow, you actually make some sense. You do make a lot of sense. Well, So now you uh, found your okay cube. Mm-hmm. You got a cube. Got a cube. You've been dating a little while. Yeah. It's and it's and it's committed. Yeah. You didn't want to go back to college, Buscemi. Look, I don't think the female <laughs> population of LA is ready for college, Buscemi. 
quite frankly. <laughs> okay. So a lot of married guys get divorced and then they go around and I see them and they use terms like I got to get some strange because they've been married since 1968. Yeah. Uh, and you, on the other hand, like an artist, you like a woman around. You like, uh, you like companionship. You want to yeah, that's right. heat up soup for two. That's right. Okay. That's right. I'm happy for you. Yeah, it's good, man. I'll tell you something. Like I was saying, it was a difficult 20 minutes of this conversation. It was a difficult several freaking years out of my life. Mm. The escape software was running me in weird directions. You know, I wasn't able to concentrate on either my marriage or even uh, comedy in the way that I wanted to, as full on as I wanted to. But, you know, I kind of did a reboot and took the thing to Staples, the computer uh, what's a better place to get your computer serviced? But the stuff's running well now, man. Geek Squad. Geek Squad. The, the stuff's running better now. I got my head out of my ass. It was deep in my ass. It was my own freaking fault, and I, I really, really, really was... But, you know... <laughs> it's your head coming out of your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There's also someone Facebook chatting you. Oh, yeah, that's good. I like that. Somebody you don't know. God, I turned that thing off. It's always someone you don't know. Hey, Pete. <laughs> That's what they say to me, too. Hey, Pete. <laughs> so, well, good uh, for you. And now, girlfriend in the biz? No. On, out of the biz? Out of the biz. Nice. She's an artist, though. She's very cool. Cool. I like the art ones. You like them art ones? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of art? She does a whole myriad of things. Hmm. I'm, I'm happy for you, man. Good for you. Thank you. You're out of the thick of it. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm a romantic. I'm, you know, as far as comedians go, I'm a picture of glowing mental health, which, you know, it's like being a, the, it's like not being the seventh worst drinker. You have plenty of room to be fucked up. Yes. If you're a comedian and you're not one of the most messed up comedians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you know, you got all kinds of area to, um, repair and all that. Yeah. So, but yeah. you know, it's redemption. I was thinking about, uh, Louis CK going on Mark Marin's podcast. I think if they don't, if Marin had only ever made that one episode with Louis CK came on it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just redemption. That seems to be the comedic project right now is redemption. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to redeem themselves. I think that's the human project. This has been, you made it weird. With <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I love redemption. I, it gets me off. Well, you're religious. Yeah, I know. Perfect. Segue. Are you still, uh, I remain incredibly, um, uh, Christ leaning, curious, r- religious person. Yes. Do you? Yeah, I have, I have I have no problem with the JC. I I also have no problem with people telling me that he didn't exist or that it's uh, or that it's some sort of mechanism, coping mechanism, fear of death, fear of whatever. But if you ask me in my gut uh, what's going on there in the spiritual world, I think that when we talk about redemption, grace, forgiveness, peace, understanding, patience, kindness, these are the things. Oh. This is that's the shit man yeah that's, that's the real juice so i went from super stupid religious meaning blind dogmatic asshole i looked at my faith before and it was one of those faiths that you just don't believe you knew me back then i did i always you just thought your conception of god was that he's like a, a god machine. was like a um he was like your uh a personal bodyguard who would go ahead of you in advance and kick down any locked doors so that you could walk through those doors interesting 
That's that's what I meant by slot machine. That that idea that God, w- I was cool with God as long as he kept paying out. Yeah, very self uh, honest. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to look back at that time. But now you know, it's hard to look back at your. <laughs> it's hard to look back at all the jackass stuff you used to do in college. I was a this liberal. Uh, you know, I would just pedant bore the hell out of anybody I was talking to, and mm. so self righteous. Wait, you were religious? No, I mean. As a liberal Democrat, you know, arguing to people about hmm. whatever political things, and I look back and I think, oh, God, I must have been the worst bore. And even in this conversation talking about and comedy, you know, I would come off stage and be like glowing about the triumphant project of comedy. You don't listen to it's, the show enough because I've said I've likened comedy to a religion, a God fucking. I've, yeah. I've taken everything that's sacred and intimate and, and related well, to comedy. Well, I feel like it's almost like rap. I understand why rappers have to say, I'm the best dude ever, and they work it right into their lyrics. We have to tell ourselves that to mm-hmm. some degree. And it can be horrid to listen to if we're I, just having a conversation with somebody. I blast hip-hop on the way here to get Do me you? into a, a space where I can feel that way and feel yeah. funny and feel confident. Yeah, but yeah. the best comedians... I, I, I heard a comedian just a couple days ago who was so full of bluster, and there was no Where was give or taste. Performing? What's that? Where was Jesselnick performing? <laughs> but I, I need a level of vulnerability where you see the person he in does, the... By the, way. In the uh, We're done talking about Jesselnick. You need some vulnerability. You can't just have puffed chest. Oh, I hate a puffed chest. In fact, I despise it. People who just yell and puff, it's yeah. unwatchable to me. Yeah. I literally cannot listen past that to their words. Yeah, I understand. It's just a tremendous bore. It's it's something that I remember Gavigan saying to me, uh, talking about where's the vulnerability, talking yeah. about a very popular yeah. comedian. He was like, I like him, but where's the vulnerability? And Who I was, was like, he talking about? Oh, right. I don't, I don't know if he'd want me to say. Yeah, don't say. It was a big comedian. <laughs> Physically? <laughs> no. It was one of the top three comedians. <laughs> now let's keep talking. Okay, so religion. Well, I feel like this. I don't describe myself as an atheist. I just wrote this little screed. I know you don't know what that word means. Screed, it sounds a lot like creed, and that's good enough. I wrote this thing on Facebook that uh, it's a creed and all these people it's a, liked it and it's shared it. It's a creed it. that you Skype to someone. Exactly. Screed. Oh, screed. <laughs> uh, so I said, I think I don't like that fundamentalists you know, reserve the word religious for themselves. I don't think of myself as an atheist. I think of myself as I'm extremely grateful for opportunities, for redemption, for art, for friendships, for, you know, all this great stuff I've had in my life, I have in my life, and, you know, uh, science and holidays. And I mean, it's like you're talking about with Jesus. What does it matter if he were a physical part of, you know, a, 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 corporeal being exactly what Mm -hmm. does that matter exactly Mm -hmm. it's a story about our lives and a story about the way we're supposed to live and a a beautiful metaphor yeah a beautiful metaphor by the same time i'm not a uh, i don't you know i'm not a strict materialist i don't think you know people are just i I think that there's mystery deep 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 mystery and i'm a mystic and i go on stage to get reborn and i do it and it works almost every single time i do it and i'm absolutely mystical about it i don't i don't consider myself an atheist i cannot bring myself to call myself that even though i enjoy reading their little tracks and you know sticking their middle finger up at the fundamentalists that's fun don't get me wrong and i agree with them politically Mm -hmm. but it's not really who i am i'm more into 
you know, generating community and art and all that goofy stuff. But... Kingdom of Heaven here through yeah, art and community yeah, yeah. and why love not? here right why now. Not? And nudity. And a lot of nudity. I love nudity. I, I think <laughs> what, when I hear you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but what, I, what I'm picking up from this conversation about God this time is that um, I don't think there are words. I know this is a little bit cliche, but when you talk about your stand-up bringing you closer to the divine, you said mystic, but to the divine. Yes. To a divine yes. experience. Yes. yes. To a communal experience. Absolutely. The God being the creator. Yeah. And then creating these things that can also create. Yeah. So in his, sorry, but I'm going to be biblical and say in his image. So we can also do that. So you go on stage to connect to the, the feeling of the creator by creating oh, yeah. in the presence of other souls and other oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah. That is some religion. And then when we talk about the words that we have, the collections of writings when it comes to God, when I meditate and stuff, you, you touch on things that can't be described. I'm happy to say that I've started having spiritual and religious feelings that I'm like, you know what, you can't really explain it. And uh-huh. I think that's what it is. That's why we have stories yeah. and metaphors. And that's why I think sports or, or, or a good conversation or good fucking or a good meal or yeah. good art – this is this is a good good way to get into that thing that you're saying. I'm with you. Atheism is really really fun, and it can be very satisfying, yeah, it's fun. as you said, to flip off these these yeah. things, these yeah. icons, to yeah. be an iconoclast. Yeah. Do you know that word? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm with you on all of these. I want to snort all of the lines. Yes, but I'm also with you when I say that it's undeniable that when I when I ask my gut and when I try and get into get in touch with the the idea of my DNA going if you stretched out between the Earth and the Sun uh-huh. like four billion times or whatever would it still work? You are a magical dick. When I close my eyes and I'm still, I go like all of this is absurd enough to make me believe that there might be something even absurder behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think. Um, Yeah, there's no, there's no, I just can't stand cynicism and pessimism and ugliness and, you know, hate and just, uh, there's no place for it. Um, Well, we know what the enemies are, yeah. But, you know, when I used to do theater, I did a lot of stage plays and and a lot of improv, too. I would literally go into almost a blackout state. Really? Out of body state. Oh, I improvised with you that one time and I remember seeing that. Yeah. I remember getting that feeling that you did I just go out of, I almost black out. Yeah. It's crazy. I miss that. I don't quite get that in stand-up. It's a different feeling. Can I tell you, I think this has come up on the show before, but uh, one of the books that I read when I was young, because clearly it it had a big influence on me, is Impro by Keith Johnson. Uh And he talks about um, when people would put on masks in tribal rituals, they'd look at their reflection, and then they'd go nuts. They'd act like Loki, the weird demon guy. And they'd run around and they'd push over burning things and they'd be an asshole because they were playing that thing. You would put on the improv mask. You would put on the stand-up mask and you'd go into a trance. Yes. It was absolutely a trance. And it still is when you perform. And it still is sometimes when I perform. You get into this place. That's one of the reasons why I have this deep appreciation for my own humor is I'm like, I have no idea where this is coming from. Oh, I don't either. I don't either. It's mystical. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like the Ouija board. Yes. All my bits feel like the Ouija board, and I don't want to know where they come from, really. Like you, like you could if you tried. Like you could if you tried. 
Seinfeld said it's the most pretentious thing to act like you have any idea where your thoughts come from. Yeah, that's good. And David Mamet, when they said, where do you come up with your ideas? He said, I think of them. Yeah, Which I think good. is great. Yeah. I don't know, Robert. Yeah. I think we're going to be okay. Do you? <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that the end of the book? <laughs> yeah. The book's over. Wait, the end is fire, isn't it? What? Hell? Yeah, the book. The book of the Bible? Yeah, Revelation and all that. It's a big hell show at the end. No, no, no. That's part of it. There's some hell. But the end is redemption. Really? Yeah. Is there Coke in the room? Coca-Cola Classic? Yeah. It's Mexican Coke, so it's made with real Awesome. Yeah, it's great. And Jesus comes over and he goes, how's it going? I bet he has like a bob, like a low bob in his hair. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you thought my hair would be longer. I I just thought I'd mix it up. You know, I'm up here for a very long time. (laughs) I switch hairstyles a lot. Then it switches, then it switches. This one's a huge afro. What it's like it? it's like his father God is scrolling through the uh, his uh, his video game his avatar. Video, his avatar. Right. How do I want my son to look? Yeah, he's he. Poor Jesus is trying to pick up on, on a woman. He's like, so how are? You? She's like, did your hair just switch three times, Dad? He looks up, Dad, quit, quit <laughs> flicking my avatar. Sorry, son. <laughs> Then he's just a chicken. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, oh, me. But it sounds like... <laughs> but there's a subtitle. It yeah. sounds, oh, oh me. yeah. But it's the subtitle's in Urdu, so nobody can read it. And then it switches. Yeah. I feel good. Do you feel satisfied? Uh, I feel satisfied. Um, do you want to play one game and we'll be done? Sure. The game is... Uh, what kind of soap do you use? That's a good one. What kind of soap do you use? I like uh, soap, soap, anything that's soap. I don't want hand wash. I don't want moisturizing. I don't want hydrolyting. I don't want anything that comes out of a bottle. I want a bar of soap. Like glycerin, preferably. I like two kinds of soap. I like the glycerin stuff from Whole Foods, and I like the uh, Trader Joe's has like a $1.98 bar that's this nice whatever. Glycerin. I thought that was a lube. Well, you can use it as lube, but it's it's less pleasurable for her. Hmm. You are a dog. Uh, what's the hardest time you've ever laughed? Do you remember? One of them? Uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I'll just think about my parents were on a cruise one time and they had heard, <laughs> they had heard ahead of time that it was, um, that it was going to be cowboy night one night. And, uh, and, uh, so my mom packed them like costumes and they came out of their cabin for cowboy night. And my dad had like a, a red bandana around his neck. And they get downstairs to like the communal eating area and nobody's dressed up for cowboy night at all. And, he, and she looks around and he's gone and he had sprinted back to the cabin to take off his cowboy bandana. <laughs> if you knew him, you would appreciate that. I just love that. You just picture him thinking he looks so cool in his cowboy bandana. Oh, and then he red. skedaddled. I'm sure it was red. Of course it was red. Oh. And as I dressed up, they're like, I wonder what the other costumes will look like. <laughs> no one did it. We're grown. I don't know what my mom had on. Some kind of a fringe, you know, little fringe on her something from Chico's. Oh, I don't know what. And she didn't. She stayed? She said. Oh, good question. I don't know what she did. She'd be able to play it off or she'd sneak out before long or whatever. But he, oh, man, it would not. he would not be able to he deal. Really that's great. That is great. That is a perfect. That's a perfect. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's the show. All right. Sounds good. It was fun.
It was very fun. Thank you for your candor. Oh, yeah. I can't say again so. that you are uh, – I, I know I use a lot of past tense – Legend, local. Dude, you gotta see me. I'm telling you. No, new, I love new, you. This new album is getting like huge, huge hype. Send me an email. Oh shit! <laughs> it rec- I recorded it. Holy fuck! You know? Did you? Yeah. Weird choice. Oh no! Well, it huge, came out great though. Huge room with the tallest it, ceiling in the world. Huge room, tall ceilings, but we packed it and it was great. It's, it's awesome. hottest. It's a hot show, man. It was yeah. really good. It's a hot show, man. Yeah, it's getting good reviews and everything. No, your albums are wonderful. Everybody should get them. And and what I mean to say is, I'd like to take those compliments in the present tense and say you remain a delight oh, and well, one of my that's, favorites. That's my goal. And I think you're great. That's my goal. And uh, I'm happy that I know it was bumpy, but I'm happy to see you where you are now, in your version of a sleek jacket. <laughs> now let's. I wear. I wear. I could wear uh, extra large size condoms. Yeah, anybody could. If you want to swim around in there. Put a goldfish in there. <laughs> Sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll get my wife, Harold Dina, and, uh, you know, for like, we don't go out on Valentine's Day. We go out on Valentine's Day Eve, half-price entrees at Olive Garden. Anyway, afterwards, I like to put on an XL Magnum, you know, those real big ones. I'll go ahead and let a, a, a single goldfish in there. It's kind of like a living vibrator. It's like God's oh. vibrator. <laughs> no good? It's their eyes. It's fish's eyes. Yeah, they, they're unclosing eyes. Oh. Get out of here, worse. fish. What are you yeah. doing? The way you, you move your whole body to propel forward through liquid. What is that? Scram. Can't believe we came from you. Yeah, well, there it is. Mm. We have the same, our blood has the same salt content as the Is ocean. that true? Yes. No, it's not. Our blood has the same salt content percentage, I think. <laughs> you, made, you just made me rethink this. Well, I don't know. You know, I have a lot of salt in my blood. I know you. I remember that knife fight we were in. I had to drink so much water after that. I got to stop screaming as I stab you. Yeah. Like big open mouth screams. Yeah, yeah. Because I get these salty bursts. Yeah. That's a really weird one. not the way to go. No. But uh, we end the show by do you know this? You said you listen to the Kyle yeah, one. Yeah. Keep it. You got to say keep it crispy. All right. It's up to you. So what? Would I you do it, it as a fake Robert? Yeah, I'll do it. As a fake Robert bit? Sure. Go ahead. What, wait, 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 what am I doing? I'm saying keep it crispy, but in a fake Robert voice. <laughs> this will be the third time you've said it, which is funny to me. Keep it crispy. <laughs> That's me as you doing me. Keep it crispy. What I like to do is, you know, keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. Hey, everybody. It's me, Robert. Hey, it's me, Robert. How y'all doing tonight? It's great to see you. No, it just sounds like Harry Carey. Will Ferrell's Harry Carey. <laughs> oh, hi. You ever just hi. Eat, eat hi. a hot dog? I do. I know. If you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? I know I would. <laughs> that was actually a good Will Ferrell doing a... Thank you. Harry Carey, Larry Carey, Jerry Carey? Jim Carey. Carey. That was Jim my Carey. Jim Carey. Okay. Jim Harry Carey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim Harry Carey. It's if he kills himself. Yeah. Love to have him on the show. He's real trippy. Is he? Oh, yeah, he's big into... He would have written that email in a secret exercise. Oh, which you can admit now that's what you were doing. Oh, <laughs> That's not what I was doing. I believe you. I'll go to my grave lying about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. All right, it was fun. You were fun. You are fun. Now leaving Nerdist.com.